Hello, and welcome back to Metastation. Uh, after a very lengthy hiatus, uh, we are back in your ears. Uh, I am Claire. I'm a writer in Portland, Oregon. I'm Erin. I'm an English professor in Mississippi. And uh, we are uh, we're back with the episode that you've all been waiting for. We're going to mush a whole bunch of things in here at once. Um, <laughs> so we're going to start by uh, by talking through our experience at the super awesome con Unity Days, which we went to in January. So we're going to um, talk through uh, our experience there, some of the things that we learned. Um, everyone's obviously very tight-lipped about season six, but we got some cool season five backstory. Um, had a great time, met some amazing actors. It was totally wonderful. So we'll talk about that. Um, then we are going to give you our uh, recap of the season five finale, um, after which we will uh, we have an announcement and we'll sort of talk about it a little bit more at the end, but I uh, wanted to let everyone know that this is our last episode recap podcast. Um, we've been talking about it a lot, thinking about it a lot, and um, weekly episode recaps going forward for the show um, at this moment are something that we just don't feel like we um, can take on. We're going to keep doing interviews. We still got a lot of those sort of stacked up on deck. Um, but the kind of weekly recap thing, the way the podcast has been going, is going to... Um, it's going to change pretty considerably, and we'll talk about why um, at the end. There's a lot of factors that go into that, but wanted to sort of let everybody know up front that, um, that this is the last of our uh, three-hour deep dive into 45 minutes of television. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would hate to count up how many hours that we've actually spent. Oh, my God. So many. <laughs> Many, many. I feel like it's like it's like half of the like hard drive of my computer is oh, like our podcast because <laughs> they're so bad. I mean I I pay for Dropbox you know like whatever the, the yeah. $10 a month Dropbox and um it has been full multiple times and I've had to, to go in there and like find <laughs> files to delete like that's it's a lot of data that um, yeah is happening in our lives <laughs> <laughs> Um, so next thing up, um, is talking about 513, the title of which I forget. <laughs> Dam- Damocles part two. Yeah, I just right. watched yeah, it. Yeah, okay. I mean, I also just watched it, but apparently I did not pay attention to the title. Um, so yeah. Okay. So like pursuant to our, uh, announcement from the beginning of the podcast, which is that, um, we are not going to be doing regular um, like week to week pod analysis recap podcasts. Um, kind of similarly with this one, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do like as our usual like deep, deep dive because, um, uh, well, for a bunch of reasons, but one of them is also just like we don't want this to be longer than our usual three hours. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> we want to have plenty of time at the end to talk about, you know, the reasons why we're, we're moving away from weekly coverage. So I think what we had decided we were going to do is, um, we're going to talk about, we're going to start out talking about a couple of things that each of us really liked or appreciated or enjoyed about this episode. And then we're going to talk about a couple of things that we each were sort of like particularly, um, frustrated by or didn't like so much. Um, and then that will kind of segue us into our last segment. So if you would like to start, Claire, uh, with your, with your pluses. Sure. Um, so yeah, so I, um, 
so I had not, I didn't rewatch the episode after it aired until just like, like right before we started, um, recording. And, um, and like, and I, you know, it's, I remember like, like when I, when I watched it first, I remember thinking like my sort of overall sense of, of the episode as an episode and of the episode as sort of like the ending to a season was that, you know, like there were, there were some places which we'll talk about later where I was kind of like, I'm not sure they stuck the landing here, but there were a number of arcs, especially sort of remarkably, I think in orbiting around some of the supporting characters that I really felt like, okay, this one they nailed. Um, and one, one that I want to start with because I think it, um, it tugs at a lot of other sort of plot threads is, um, I feel like both this episode on its own merits and kind of as the capper to all of season five, um, I was really pleased with how I felt like they actually really did right by Jasper. Yeah. I yeah. felt like all season long, starting with Clark finding his goggles in Eden, um, all of the, like the way that his letter came back up, the way that his kind of cynical nihilism about humanity being the kind of inherent problem became the sort of spur for Monty and Harper, you know, kind of in the middle of the season to sort of start making some different decisions. And then, and then sort of to bring it home by, um, by Monty being the person who like saves all of humanity and kind of does so in this way. That's very much like, like shaped by Jasper's legacy in ways that are both like the good and bad parts of Jasper's legacy. Yeah, you yeah. Know, like Jasper is super, super present to the point of like a new character who's like a core member of the cast who is Harper and Monty's son is named after him. So like, so like he's embedded now, like we're never going to lose the constant reminders of who Jasper was and why he mattered. And also that like, that in the 11th hour, like, Monty hopes that he's wrong. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like, the Monty hopes, Monty hopes that the reason that Jasper made the choice that he made to take his own life, um, that, that, like, that he really did sort of definitively break the cycle. Mm-hmm. And I think the episode where, where they read the letter, um, one of the conversations that we had, you know, sort of in unpacking the episode that we really liked a lot was that there was, there was sort of a bunch of different cycles being broken. Mm-hmm in that episode in a lot of different storylines all of them kind of orbiting around this question of like can like what if the jaspers of the world are wrong mm-hmm. like what if the people saying there's no better way we're only kind of seeing within their own lens and what if somebody else could step outside of that perspective and do something totally fucking crazy maybe and like smash that wheel and so so i think like so, so I, um, I guess less so for Harper, for whom I, I greatly wished more of a plot, but I think for Jasper and Monty, like, if we look at both how they end this episode, how we sort of close book one, sort of use the show's terminology from who they are when we meet them in the pilot all the way through to now, like, I felt like, okay, this is like, this is a send off that gave me an emotional sort of relinkage back of their relationship and also clarified some 
really important ways in which they were different, but like it allowed like it was it was sort of I think a rare moment of a character loss um being allowed to resonate with a bunch of different people in different ways. And that's something that like we sort of discussed in the past, like sometimes a character dies and they die in the context of their relationship with like one other person. Yeah. You know, yeah. like like one person at a time gets to remember each dead person. Right, yeah. yeah. You know? And <laughs> And with somebody like Jasper, and especially like with with Monty, like characters who were so hardwired into so many different groups and were such a core part of the hundred, I think like you know like wrapping him so deeply into how he sort of bid goodbye to Harper and Monty, um, the the really getting a chance to kind of like linger in the emotions of Clark and Bellamy um, on that loss, you know, Clark rediscovering Jasper. It's like, there was, so I felt like the, the Jasper of it all, I thought was actually was handled beautifully in, in ways that surprised me all season long. And that I really felt like, I felt like they stuck the landing on that. And that was something that coming into this season that you and I were very anxious about, like, are they like, what's the story that we're going to tell about suicide Mm -hmm. with the death of Jasper Jordan. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that the story that they told is both, his cynicism that caused him to make that choice was we think and hope and believe inaccurate and misguided and shaped by some perceptions of the world that maybe were wrong and that things could be better. Mm-hmm. And also that he is deeply loved and will forever, you know, as long as Jordan is part of the story, be part of, be sort of baked back into the ensemble, you know? Yeah. So that I thought was, I, that I thought was something that was handled beautifully. Yes. Um, and then uh, something else that I thought, and this is a much, this is a, a little one, um, but I was really reminded watching, rewatching the finale that there was a ton of stuff that I liked this season, um, even though it wasn't, he didn't get a huge amount of story time, but I felt like one great kind of under acknowledged little mini arc was Miller. I thought yeah. that um, like the the journey that he takes and we don't see a ton of him. Like he didn't have a lot of A story, but like he kind of goes on this journey and like and more of it happens in the episode sort of prior to this one. But like um, but sort of the the journey that he takes from being like, you know, sort of Blood Reina's like unquestioning right hand guy to the sort of desperation when everything falls apart and his sort of realization at the beginning of this episode that like um no like no one will follow him like, yeah, back into yeah. that valley you know like he he there's nothing he can do anymore like if blood rain is gone then it's like like the sort of watching him be like then what the fuck did i do all of this yeah. stuff for and also i think we should pause to note that jared joseph acted the hell out of that scene like he did oh my god yeah 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 he was turning in A plus work all season, bringing like like the rawness of the emotion yeah. that he has, and like in both parts of the finale, he has some he has some sort of like hysteric, crying, losing his shit, screaming scenes, and he just nailed it mm-hmm. so beautifully. And you and the depth to which you really felt Miller's desperation, like like this has to work, like this has to work. We have to get to this valley because if we don't get to this valley. I sold my soul for nothing <laughs> right. and all of these things that I did and all these choices that we made, like, like if blood Reina was wrong and she doesn't get us home or all these people die because like the, the, the battle that I charged into at her side convinced we were right was a fucking shit show. 
like, who am I? What am I? You know? Um, so, so he's a character who, um, I'm, I'm interested to see because of course, like, like that arc never got closed. Like we sort of like, it, it's part of the kind of beginning story of it. And we don't, you know, the characters that we sort of like circled back to at the end, like when they're like on the ship and they're making kind of long-term plans and you got a little bit of a time to breathe, like he wasn't one of them. So we don't know yet, like in the long term, like now that it's theoretically peacetime, now that Blood Rain is not in charge anymore, now that like that whole sort of social structure that he was propping up is over, um, I'm interested in kind of like, okay, so like, where does he go from here? What does he think now looking back of, um, of his choices and like, and who, like, who does sort of he become next, you know? And, and, and I feel like, you know, like, I'm sure there's got to be a certain element of PTSD there. Um, one of the handful of things that we do know doesn't tell us anything about plot, but like, um, like Suchin's part got beefed up significantly in season six. We don't know what that means. Like, that's all we know. Yeah, um, that's right. He said but that. I, I would, I would like hope and assume that maybe their relationship and like sort of like processing some of how all of this, like how the Blood Reina arc played out from Miller's perspective would I think be really interesting to see. Um, and, and I just sort of suspect and wonder like were there sort of, you know, there are places in the relationship between the two of them where they had different points of view and we get little glimpses of that, like, that desperation that Miller has that like this has to work and I have to have proof that somehow ideologically I was on the right side of this, you know? Um, so that was like, that was sort of like a little one, but that, but it, it, it was sort of a reminder that I was like, Oh, right. This is an actor who's been turning in killer work all season in a, in a part that wasn't very big, but did a lot of groundwork for sort of like, like he's in, in some ways, like he's, he's sort of our, like our, our, bunker every man yeah you know? like yeah. He, like 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 indra and gaia and kane and abby have sort of and and um kara cooper had very sort of like concrete specific roles to play in terms of how the bunker yeah, they were like in the progressed. leadership you know they were yeah they were sort of in the upper tier and yeah. and miller is our look at how how allegiance to Blood Reina changed a person that we thought that we knew. You know, like him and Nyla kind of were yeah. like the difference between who you used to be and who you are now um gives us a lot of information about like how the kind of like mob mentality, sort of cult thinking that Octavia implemented sort of forced people to have to rewrite parts of their own moral code to do this stuff and and some characters kind of remained themselves through that you know like indra is always going to be indra um and some people you know had to kind of become different people you know and so i i so from for miller and for nyla who were sort of like you know like like lieutenants and not you know, peers or leaders or counselors, she blood rain or whatever. Um, I just, I feel like the fallout, like I, I'm, in, I'm interested in sort of like, okay, what's the like emotional sort of fallout of this going to be? Um, so that was one that I liked. And then I, the last one that I'll say is, um, cause I, I don't want to hear what yours are too. Um, there, so, so, so some of these are kind of like a thing that I liked with a caveat, you know, like, like I, 
like a, um, I liked it with an asterisk. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, so the, so my, my big asterisk when we get to the asterisk section is, um, there are a lot of things that I think would have worked, um, like gangbusters if McCreary was a different kind of villain. And we yeah. will circle back to that. But, um, but deep, but Dioza, like, like on her own merits as a character, I fucking love Charmaine Dioza. I love every moment that Ivana is on screen. I love the journey we get to go on with her. I love like the scene between her and Octavia on this ship in the finale. Like it's one of my favorite scenes of the finale and like might even be in sort of my top 10, you know, randomly wonderful, weird scene pairings of the whole show. Like that little interchange between her and Octavia about, power you know and about like like we you know like like the ways in which they've been sort of on opposing sides of this battle and now they're in the same place like they're both shut out by clark and bellamy from the leadership conference like they're both kind of the same now you know um and and the and her ability as somebody who is like older and more seasoned to to continue sort of doing the thing that she sort of has been doing all season long, which is like looking at Octavia and seeing, you know, all the kind of like mystique stripped away, you know, like she really, she's one of those characters who I think like she really sees Octavia for who she is, you know, and, um, and Octavia is not used to, um, like either as Octavia, where it was just Bellamy who was too close to really see her accurately, or as Blood Reina, who kind of kept everybody at arm's length. Like she's not used to being seen like that, you know? And so there's something, um, so like that dynamic between the two of them was so interesting. I think what it, what it asks Octavia to begin to maybe recognize about, um, you know, how, how kind of, how thin the lines are between good guys and bad guys when you're sort of like, oh, like, okay, well, here we are now. Like, we're both, like, we're both the same. We were both kind of doing the same thing. Um, but just Gioza as a character, like, I, I loved, um, I love, I love antagonists who aren't villains. Like, mm-hmm. I love people, like, when, when you have somebody who, like, like, everything that she wants, makes super clear and logical sense to you the audience like she was one of the few characters where like like barring a handful of things where you're like that seems weird but like overall like she's a character where i'm like i understand like like almost sort of the entirety of your choices along the sort of whole arc that you've taken like i understand like i know who you are and i know what you're doing you know and and the fact that she gets to sort of do that as like you know like she's a she's a woman leading this very sort of testosterone group of like masculine, you know, like thug minor assholes, um, <laughs> you know, and, and that she gets to be that while she's pregnant, um, that she gets to be the kind of leader that we like in this show who listens and changes um, and kind of comes to a different perspective and the way that that kind of illuminates like the sort of the rift between like the leaders who can do that and leaders who can't do that. So there was a lot that I just like all season long that I really, really liked about her, but I felt like, um, and I wish that she'd had more of an active. I mean, she, she ends up a little bit um, in terms of like the, the end game, like the sort of action end game, which we'll, we'll come back to in a little bit, but um, she's, she's sort of largely passive there, which was unfortunate. She's kind of a little bit like damsel in distress. See, um, but um but just sort of like who she is 
and what I feel like, um, and, just, and, and the fact that she didn't die, I was totally <laughs> kidding all season long. I was like, I'm falling in love with this character, and I know she's gonna die in the finale because like she's the bad guy, and that's how it has to happen. I'm like resigned to it, and then like what a wonderful surprise that she. I mean, like I we have no idea. Like, I mean, half the cast could be dead by the first half of season six, but like we have no idea, you know. But as of now, she's still alive, and um. So I'm just really interested, like, if she sticks around, like, if if she if she continues to be sort of a part of the ensemble, I feel like there are, like, there are some really cool shades of um, character nuance that I, I wanted them to go there in season four with Jaha, and they didn't quite. But I think they could do really nicely with Dioza here, where it's, like, really digging into, like, what is it like to be, like... The person who was like the big bad and the reason that we're in this situation, and now you have to be in the same breakfast line with everybody else. You know, like, <laughs> like what is the day to day of that like? You know, and I, um, like, I was, I was always really interested in like what would that have been like for Jaha going from chancellor to being like the person who's like the reason why everyone that you know died in the city of light, um, and then having to reassimilate. And some of that they kind of fast forwarded past, so they might not even dig into that much with Dioza. I don't, we don't know. I guess um, we won't. But I just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's unlikely. Precedent um, suggests but, that we will also speed right past that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So I, I'm not like getting my hopes up for it, but um, but I like her a lot as a character i like you know like again like with some with some asterisks i like the journey that she took and the kind of how we get to watch her evolve and the possibility that um some of these little sort of moments of connectivity that we like the little you know like sort of little mini team up between her and clark and like her sort of you know being somebody who can read Octavia and Octavia seemed to be like hearing what she's saying to her. I was like, there's, there's some promise there for like, I think some interesting relationships. One of the few things that like, I mean, like we can't extrapolate a lot from like behind the scenes pictures, but like, like the, the few little sort of teasers we've gotten about season six have mostly been like, like at the beginning of the season, there were some photos released from, you know, maybe the first episode, certainly probably no later than like the second or third that kind of showed us like who's the landing party, like who goes down to the ground. Um, and if you sort of look at, you know, who's not in those pictures, who's not on the ground and who's therefore presumably like my hope is, you know, like like in a B story, like up on the ship still, it's kind of a fascinating combination of like potential conversations about like women leadership because it's Indra and Gaia and Abby and Octavia and Dioza and Raven are kind of our like I mean like well and Kane is unconscious and Shaw I think I think maybe Shaw's flying the the like landing ship. I don't know. But um but so of the people that are left up there, um oh maybe Maddie. I don't know if I can't remember if Maddie's in pictures. But but so it's kind of like it's like the sort of cohort of like the complicated women leaders and the women's like, I just, so I feel like the idea of like, you know, a, like a storyline involving Indra and Dioza and Abby and Octavia would be like, I think fascinating, you know, like, like what would, what would that sort of like dynamic be like, you know, and as particularly as like, you know, as like Abby and Octavia are sort of like, rebuilding their relationship and um oh and that's so like another other little tiny thing and then i want to hear yours um i also like like <laughs> because i am forever on brand um 
some like like little tiny thing that I that I really enjoyed was um you know knowing obviously which we'll come back to in a second like they're her um Kane's fate remains a question mark because Ian is now on two shows so we don't know what's happening um but something that I really liked that's something that just sort of is always kind of emotionally important to me is like like I I I like that it ended with a reminder that like it felt like a little sort of um inching towards the possibility of a reconciliation between Octavia and Kane. Um, like that, that sort of given, given the choice in that moment with that last scene between her and Abby, um, that she chooses to help Abby save Kane's life. Um, and that it's Bellamy who has the idea about how to put him in cryo. Like it's like this teeny tiny little kind of almost like throwaway moments, but just like the reminder that like, you know, like, like Kane does not exist only in relation to, Abby or to like Dioza and Indra as like a fellow leader like he's also emotionally important to the Blakes and there was very like there was no Kane and Bellamy at all the whole season really like they weren't even I think they were like never on screen together mm-hmm. <laughs> um and you know and Kane and Octavia's relationship fracturing was was really painful and awful in some ways it started to feel upsettingly out of character for him just for for me in like in the last week which we talked about in the in the i think in 512 but um so we don't have to like retread that ground again but i but i like i it meant a lot to me that it ended with something that felt like it was um maybe planting some seeds for like where are there characters who were sort of separated from each other all season or kind of growing apart or drifting apart all season where some little kind of tiptoe back towards each other was reached and Kane and Octavia was, was one of them. Obviously like we don't, we don't know what's going to happen just because of like, like Ian's, you know, show schedule. So like, I don't know, but, um, but that was supposed to like, I like that. And I think just overall, I think, cause like, I actually, like, I really, I enjoyed the episode a lot when I watched it the first time. I enjoyed it again, rewatching it. Um, there are obviously a lot of places where I was kind of like, mm, I don't know, but I think <laughs> what I, like for me where it sits sort of in relation to this season as a whole was like the the thing that was the thing that was starting to really really get to me like really grind me down by the time we got like 11 or 12 episodes in was that everything felt so like unrelentingly hopeless and grim and everything was about destruction like every every positive thing that's ever been built every relationship that has ever been important every home these people have created for themselves every value any individual once held dear like everything that that could possibly ever be like hopeful or nice or positive or good was just being just like ripped to shreds and then shat on and set on fire (laughs) and and by the time you get to the dark year you're like jesus christ like how much how much more of this can i take from a television show in a world that we already live in like a world that is so dark and fucked up. Like, how much more of this can I consume as a consumer of media without it just like turning me into like a gray, depressed jury person? <laughs> um, and so, so like, so like broad strokes, the thing that I felt that I did get from this finale was I felt like, okay, what I wanted emotionally was I wanted a really decisive pivot towards knitting these fractured things back together. 
And, and I felt like there were a bunch of different places sort of like big plot wise in terms of like a new planet so we can like live and exist again, but also like little sort of reconciliation moments between fractured characters and things like it being Monty and his sort of spirit of hopefulness and possibility that gets them there. And the introduction of Jordan is this character that kind of embodies all that. Like there was, there was things where I felt like, okay, so this does feel like if this is the tone going forward and we, and we really are trying to sort of like bend towards the light and we really are trying to think about, how to be different and how to be good guys and how to um, not like how to keep breaking those cycles and not making those mistakes and moving forward in a spirit of like genuine hopefulness. Then it's like, okay, that's like, that's what I felt like I was losing as the sort of the season got like grimmer and grimmer and grimmer. And then it does like, there is a sense of kind of like lift, I think in some ways um, in the finale. And then it just becomes a question of like, you know, we have no idea what the sixth season will bring. If from that lift, we crash right back down into like us versus them, enemies fighting over territory and resources, you land in somebody's territory and they go to war with you immediately. And then we have to decide whose side we're on in a whole, like, like then, like, then I think it's like, it's always like, then it'll be even worse than the times <laughs> we did that before because yeah, yeah. we like, because for a moment we stepped out of it. So part of me feels like, like, I feel great about the emotional tone of this episode with the caveat that to sustain it, it's possible that this will have to become an entirely different show. <laughs> and I don't know if it's going to. Um, you know, like, I, like, is this a show, like, how, how many more seasons of this show are there if Monty is right and they do become better and they do live peacefully and they do learn that lesson and, and don't repeat the mistakes of the past? then it's like like is that like is that what people who make this show want this show to be you know and that's kind of my open question yeah that's a show i like that's what i'd like it to be like there's a lot of places where it's kind of like like the show that i want was sort of like hinted at in some ways in those moments and i don't and we have no information about season six to know is that a sort of tonal transformation that they intend to deliver or is it like um that's how we end it we sort of close the book on you know planet earth um and we're starting a new story but we still are a show that loves um battle and territorialism and um, and kind of factions warring against factions and destroying the things that they built to start. Like, I, I don't, like, I don't know. So I think, so that's, well, and we'll come back. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because that's also sort of like in my, in my asterisk section. But I think, but, but I, but the tone, the emotional tone of it, there was a lot of places where I was like, these are the kinds of moments that I have been waiting for and wanting of like, like a little mini princess mechanic reunion and like, um, you know, and, and Monty getting to be the hero in a Monty way instead of being forced to be a warrior, which he always resisted, you know, things like that, where I was like, okay, this is like a lot about this is working for me. Um, and there, and there's just sort of like, and then there were some places where it didn't, 
and which we'll go back to and but a lot of it is just kind of like a question mark of like where where does the line that they sort of began drawing extend out to from here because i may not totally know how i feel about this until i see like does the thread continue you know yeah so so those are those are my those are my nice things i want to hear your nice things um my nice things section will be much briefer uh because um I, the first time I watched this episode back in August, I hated it. Like I was, I was very, 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 very unhappy with, <laughs> with the episode and basically everything about the show. Um, and there is, there is a lot of reasons, there, there were a lot of reasons for that that were not about this episode. So, and we'll talk more about those, um, some of those when we talk about, when we get to the next segment. Um, but there were a lot of things about this episode that I also just like really, really did not like or enjoy. And some, which I think were actively not good. Um, and, uh, upon rewatch, um, I will say there were, I did, there were things that I, I did find things that I that I genuinely enjoyed or liked, you know, that were sort of positive moments. But overall, I, it, my, my, um, it did not transform my, <laughs> my opinion of it entirely. <laughs> I still, you know, large portions of it, uh, was not, was kind of like, nah, um, <laughs> nah, to, um, <laughs> so yeah so the things that i did like i'm i totally agree with you about monty stuff um so i i really i i like i like the the that monty's arc that monty was allowed to wrap up you know his life and his arc in a way that he actively chose um so i think i i really really like that he and harper got kind of the chance to like they weren't they weren't just subsumed into the group that they were able to sort of choose for themselves that they, the life that they wanted to live, the like shape the life that they wanted to live for themselves. Um, and that, you know, and that, that didn't, that didn't completely disconnect them from, you know, all the other people who were important to them or everybody else. But just like, I, I'm glad that, that they got to sort of affirmatively decide for once, you know, for the first time, like ever, you know, that they were able to kind of be like, what do we want? Instead of, mm-hmm. instead of having to be like, well, we want this, but I guess we got to go like, whatever, blow this up or do this thing or live on the ring or what, you know what I mean? So, um, so I'm glad that that, you know, I, I'm really glad that, that Monty got to kind of live out his life and he got to the, that he got to have the kind of peaceful life that he was really craving and wanting. Um, and, and still a meaningful life, you know, I think, I appreciate that that they were clearly happy, you know, that they were able to have a family that um that they maintained that connection to um Clark and Bellamy and and everybody else that they had known and loved and that you know that they were able to partly build like a meaningful life around the idea that part of what they were doing by being awake was was saving the people that they still loved, you know, that, that, that the meaning that, that for Monty, it wasn't just like, I got to live a peaceful life, you know, and didn't have to maybe go back to war, but it was also like, he got to use his skills and abilities and intelligence and whatever to kind of, to, to help, 
um, make it possible for his friends to go forward and live their lives and maybe be happy, you know, and safe and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and then also just kind of like, I, I totally second all the stuff you said about Jasper and the way that, that, that they sort of built, you know, pretty elegantly built this, um, uh, built this final section in a way which shows like that Monty, Monty has found a way to come to peace with what happened to Jasper, what Jasper did and said and felt and, you know, and, and that, that he's able to kind of still hold Jasper very close in his heart without having to hang on to the bitterness or cynicism or doubt or pain that, um, that he experienced earlier in the season when he read the letter. Um, you know, I thought that was a really, it was like a really, like you said, it was like everything that we were worried about and everything that we really sort of like were hoping to get in terms of like giving Jasper and, you know, Jasper through his relationship with Monty, a legacy that is ultimately positive and beautiful and that kind of affirms how much he meant to, you know, his best friend and that, and that he still mattered, you know, and that he, um, didn't have to be defined by his final act or the, like the last year of his life or whatever. So, um, so that was really lovely. Um, I like that. I like, like you, um, I think overall the sort of moments that I, that I liked the most about this episode were the moments that were about kind of like naming or, or recognizing cycles and mistakes that they had been making over and over and over again through the first five seasons of the show and kind of, and, and halting, you know, and taking a moment to think and making different choices. So, um, so the way that, you know, Monty says, be the, you know, Monty saying, be the good guys. So kind of getting this moment of like, if, if we're thinking about like, this is the end of book one, maybe there are no good guys was like the ethos of book one, you know, and, and this sort of suggestion that going forward into a new book, whatever that means, I don't, I have no idea what that even, what that means. But like, if we think about like, all right, we're closing the book on X, one, one thing it suggests that one thing we are closing the book on is this idea of like, maybe there are no good guys. And the thing that we're kind of turning towards is like, be the good guys that, that, you know, there are no good guys, maybe in the sense of like, nobody is innately a good guy or a bad guy, but goodness is a choice that you make over and over again. Right. You know, and, and so Monty kind of being the, um, the example of that, you know, so that, so that he can kind of like hold up something to the rest of them and say like, in every moment you have a choice. And I, I exhort you in those moments to choose being the good guy. Um, whatever that means, you know, and, and mostly against kind of necessity. Um, I thought um, in, a, in a vacuum, because uh, one of my major beefs with this episode and with the uh, direction the show is going remains the flame and the commander and all of that crap. Um, so like bracketing for now <laughs> that every time someone calls Maddie Hedda, I want to like I break out in hives. Um, uh I really, really liked the little, that little scene that, um, Maddie had with Bellamy when they get to the village, you know, that sort of moment where, again, it's, it's a moment that is about sort of identifying here is the core mistake, both sort of tactical, but also emotional 
that we have that we made over and over that is what kind of drove us to the point of like destruction and pain and death and war that we keep going to where you know where Maddie is in that moment of really being being driven by pain and anger you know to say like kill them all like no they're you know they're the bad guys right like like they're we should kill them all and 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 Bellamy sort of having arriving at a place of a sort of self-reflection and awareness, um, you know, turning to her and saying like, like, don't, don't make this mistake again. You know, like this is the thing that we've done and, and kind of reflecting back on the whole, the whole series so far. Like we, we arrived, we were yeah. like, once upon a time, we were the new people on earth and we arrived in a place that, you know, we didn't know people were there and, and we found ourselves in conflict, you know, and, and, in in sort of conflict with them for various reasons over resources and whatever else. And, and we wound up at war and, and over and over and over again, we kept coming, you know, like we kept responding to those situations in that same way of saying, like, the answer is kill the people who, you know, who, who crossed you or get revenge or whatever. Um, and sort of being able to say to Maddie in this moment, like, you know, it's time you have the opportunity to be a different kind of leader. And to make a different choice, you know, to not make the mistakes that I made and Clark made and, you know, all the rest of us have made over and over and over again and do something new, you know, and like, and like, yeah, it's a risk, you know, um, and, and it's not what your, your emotions are sort of pushing you to do right now as you're sort of locked up in this, this pain and this anger and this, um, fear, but, we, but it's important not to make decisions out of pain and anger and fear, you know? Um, and so, so I really like that scene. Like that was, a, that was a, like, but sort of thematically in terms of thinking about like, like bringing to a close that cycle and kind of thinking about like, okay, how are we going to react differently? How, what are we, how are we going to be different going forward? I really like that. I also just like, it was like a really sweet scene between Bellamy and Maddie, you know, as a kind of like, you know, Bellamy being like a, a mentor to this young girl leader and, you know, like, I don't know, it was sort of a nice moment if you think about like the the conflict and hurt that still remains between him and Octavia, you know, that he's kind of like has a second yeah. chance with like a little girl, you know, mentoring her. Uh <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think I think that's a lot of like, I think especially juxtaposed with like another scene of his that I really like, which was the him saying goodbye to Octavia. Yeah. Like, I think that the way the way those two moments kind of lay side by side of like the feeling that he was never quite going to be able to sort of save Octavia from herself and the fact that he has kind of had to like draw some boundaries with her that she doesn't like, even though she sort of has accepted that they're kind of fair, but like he's had to sort of cut off parts of himself from her because of the choice that she's made versus, yeah, sort of feeling like, like there's a, there's a possibility that he can take the things that he learned, including the things that he himself did wrong. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with Octavia. And like, I, I like, I like that scene too. And I, I also just sort of feel like, like, again, like, as with a lot of these characters, you know, he he stumbles into some of the plot holes that we'll get to in a second. But, like, overall, like, Bellamy's arc of evolution as a leader, I actually really love. Like, I think, like, like over the course of this season and sort of as exemplified by, you know, some of these moments in the finale, like, the evolving into 
a different kind of leader than the Bellamy we met in the pilot. Like, I think it's a, I think a lot of the stuff in that arc they got right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I agree. And especially in those, those little moments with Maddie. Um, I also, you know, it's another sort of like cycle breaking thing. You're making different decisions thing now. You know, I, I, I like that sort of at, as the countdown is ending, you know, they're standing at the door of a spaceship. There's a lever. It's going to close the door or whatever. <laughs> Um, yeah. you know, I, I liked sort of Bellamy standing his ground and, and decide like, I'm not going to make the mistake of leave, if choosing to leave a friend behind again. And Clark also kind of like, I think this huge moment for Clark as being the one who kind of over and over again for the last couple of seasons has erred on the side of making, of like, you know, suppressing her heart and, and sort of deciding like mm-hmm. to break her, mm-hmm. like to close the door because she quote unquote has to, even though, um, you know, it like it, it kills, it hurts or whatever. Um, so the fact that both of them in that moment were sort of like, we're gonna, we're gonna stick this out to the bitter end because these people are more important than, um, or it's important to kind of stick around for as long, you know, until the absolute bitter end for people that you love. Like, I thought that was in like a, a, you know, a nice little sort of, um, moment yeah, as well. I like yeah. I like that as well. Um, and that about wraps it up for me <laughs> in terms of things that I liked. <laughs> oh, can I can I ask you just before we move on, can I ask you about one that we didn't cover, which is um, how did you feel about um, Murphy and Amore's arcs? They didn't have a ton to do in the in the final episode. Yeah, I. Um, I. Sort of struggle a little bit with Murphy and Amori in the finale because, uh, for me personally, um, like, and I get that it's like a sort of very dire situation, life or death, you know, like if they leave him there, like they're leaving him like definitely, absolutely to die kind of thing. So, like, I get that it's not just sort of like a cool headed, like, you know, have a cup of tea by yourself in your apartment sort of decision. But um, with how cruel and even at times to me kind of like verbally abusive Murphy could be to Maury over the course of the season, I struggle a little bit with that forgiveness. Um, yeah, I think that's not fair. to say like, I, I completely understand. This is not to say like, I don't believe that Amori loves him. You know what I mean? Like, I think she right, absolutely right, yeah. does. And, and, you know, that's why his treatment of her is so painful and why she's so angry is because she, she does, you know, she still loves him. And, but, um, uh, but yeah, so I, I was kind of like that happened and I was like, I was not, I'm not, I was that wrapped up before I think it was actually wrapped up. Um, for me personally. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think, I think it's, for me, it's one where I was like, I, like, I liked the emotional resonance of like all of these moments where people are, um, like in this sort of like, you know, like 11th hour, you have like seven minutes and there's a siren blaring and right, like, what yeah. are you willing to do to save the person that you care about? Right, right. It's sort of like, like you get like, like Emory and Abby and like Clark waiting for Maddie and all of these sort of like the, the kind of the urgency of the, you know, Monty throwing Murphy over his back, you know, like. Right, I, think- I, I buy that, but I think that part of it worked, but I think, 
I think it would have played better for me if it had been, if they had kept it to a moment where Imori kind of definitively says, you know, like, I cannot let you die, John. You know, rather yeah. like they, they, I th- feel like it's pushing it to the point of her saying, I love you and sort of implicitly them, this being the thing that kind of reconciles them. That didn't really, I, I was not, I'm like, yeah. I'm not there yet with that, yeah. those characters in that relationship. But like, but I think it would have landed, like, I could have been totally on board with her just being like, him being like, just leave me, leave me. And her being like, um, like, like no, I I'm won't not leave and you. I can't, yeah. you know, like you remain, you remain important to me and I will risk my life to save yours without so definitive a kind of like, we love each other. It's all good. You know? <laughs> right. Like it could have, it could have been funny. Like if, if it was because like, no, you can't die because like, we're not done having this right. fight. I mean, like, even I'm that, not- even that, like I, yeah, yeah, like I still have things to yell at you about. So like you, you can't right. die until yeah. so, like, I, mean, I have yeah. my say, you know, just, because which even that even that acknowledges that they there remains a relationship between them that is important that needs to be resolved right. and I guess that's the thing for me is that it felt to me like it was supposed to be a moment of like and that's resolved and I was like eh, is it though <laughs> should it be I yeah, don't know. if I were Maury's girlfriend I'd be like oh honey no no don't yeah <laughs> too soon <laughs> I it's yeah I think that's that's no that's totally fair I think that's this is one for me where like. Um, like again, like I think, I think a lot is riding on like, like just there's, there's a lot of places where I guess I think now that, now that I think we're, we've definitively transitioned into the, into the asterisk section. So there are a lot of places where I feel like, um, I don't know yet how I feel about some of the things that happened in this episode because I need to see what the next beat in that arc is. And I think Murphy and Amori's relationship is one of them. Like if they, if this is like, so if that, if that existed as a moment to fast forward past a real relationship reckoning and, and continuing to hash out who are we to each other? Like in, like in peacetime, which was like really hard for mm-hmm, Murphy before mm-hmm. and, and made him an asshole, you know? Um, so like if, you know, and, and if theoretically they're in peacetime again, like, like how, you know, like how are those negotiations going to sort of continue to happen? Does she get to still sort of have her own, like something that I, really enjoyed about her arc over this season was I think that like, I think that giving him more relationships that aren't Murphy um, brought so much more to her character and also um, explained and sort of complicated a lot about like, you know, like the reason the relationship is in some ways deeply, deeply fucked mm-hmm. up was because they were like alone together and codependent for so mm-hmm. long. And that she really blossoms in this kind of family environment. You know, she's girlfriends now. She's a family now. She's a job. You know, she's like, she's like Raven's like tech genius, junior assistant, you know, um, and, and Murphy had nothing and, and was really resistant to being sort of shoved into, a role of like, you're one of the family now. And he was like, mm, I still feel like I'm the same guy. So I think like what, what happens to him now, you know, and what happens to their relationship now? I think, yeah, like I, I too, too much like now he's a good guy. It's like never going to feel right for mm-hmm. Murphy. You know, yeah. I, I think like they have to, there's still a lot of stuff to work out. And I hope like, I hope you're right. Like I, I, I'm hearing what you're saying. Like, I hope, um, I hope that that moment did not exist as shorthand for all of the really important 
negotiations that they still need to have for me to have any investment in wanting this relationship yeah. to continue. And I think, you know? I think for me, the reason why, um, so, so this kind of like, uh, segues into one of my core issues with this episode as a finale and with this season and the way that it wrapped up, um, which is that, I don't even, like, for me, I'm sort of like, I'm not even willing to sort of grant them this, the, the extension of judgment of an asterisk because I feel like the second half of the season and where we end up squandered and ignored and, uh, like downplayed or outright ignored such humongously to me important central um sort of character and relationship arc questions that they had set up and were left dangling you know at the end of season 4 and the first part of season 5 that they never returned to either never at all or or not ever in a way that wasn't just kind of like a very hand-waved half scene short little whatever not actually digging into it so for me, it sort of feels like the way that the season wrapped up, they broke the sort of contract of, yeah, 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 like this is a big thing we'll get back to to eventually, you know, we'll deal with that emotional stuff eventually to such an extent that I'm not in a place where I'm willing to like extend them the benefit of the doubt into season six. Yeah, that's fair. So I'm like, I mean, theoretically, they could pick this up in season six, this like loose dangling thread of character stuff and develop it. But like... They had an entire season to do that in five, season five with all of the dangling character stuff involving, you know, like Clark calling Bellamy every day for six years and, uh, and, you know, the relationship, even like Clark and Abby's relationship over six years and all these other things that they sort of like that, that were sitting right there that were, that could have and that should have been so important or even were set up as being important early in the season that just kind of like vanished and were, were sort of sped past later or never returned to again that I'm just kind of like, fool me once, you know? Like, I gave you the benefit of the doubt in season five and you totally, like, pulled the football away from my foot while I was trying to kick and I wound up on my back (laughs) and I'm not doing that again. So as far as I'm concerned, that's where it ends. That's where it's at. You didn't land it. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is like the the... The list of of relationships that up until this season have been treated as being really significant, where the characters got no screen time or very little screen, like is is extensive. Like yeah. like Raven and Clark, um, they were like yeah, had, they had like one and a half moments over radio at the beginning, and then did not like right. speak to or even like remember each other for the entire season. And then when they did, they were like antagonists. And then in this episode, like the, the sum total of the culmination of the fact that like they were separated for six years. Raven thought she was dead. She and Bellamy had that moment of season four. It was like, we're going to like survive and be better for Clark, you know, to make it mean something. Um, Clark like telling stories about Raven, all this stuff is a tiny little half nod in the middle of the McCreary scene. And that's it. They never have a conversation. It like, that's it. It's, it. That's all. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and and there's and 
And Raven and Bellamy too yeah. was a big yeah. surprise. Like I like the you know the season end like last season ends with this sort of um you know like the sort of the idea that was you know teased very heavily in in a lot of the sort of like season you know like season four finale kind of like what season five going to be and that you know we were sort of going to be given this like sort of look at at Bellamy and Raven as like kind of co leaders and and they and they really weren't yeah. at any point like not on the arc but and definitely not on the ground where they were in totally different storylines and barely and even Raven's remembered role. that the other one existed most of the time yeah know? like like raven had a had some like fun scenes and some cool moments but i don't like if you told me what like what was raven's arc in season five i don't think i could tell you um she um, randomly and fell in love with shot and then was like mad about it for a while for reasons that were not clear and then that was basically it <laughs> yeah, like so so she so like Raven's Raven's a character who just sort of like across the board, I feel like kind of got the short end of the stick yeah. in season five. And a lot of her super important relationships were 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 either sort of like monstrously fucked up, like we discussed my feelings about the Raven and Abby shock lash scene. Yeah. Or or were just like like she just didn't after a certain point when it was like we've sort of moved you into the storyline with your new love interest. So like we've moved you away from Bellamy and Clark being relationships that are important to you, you know? So like, so that was, so she was one, like I mentioned before, like I, I was, um, I was bummed that like, uh, opportunities for Bellamy and Kane to have conversations about Octavia felt squandered. Like that felt like, yeah, Bellamy, like this whole thing with Octavia, he never talked to, Kane about it or Abby, you know, like two people who are very, very sort of involved in like, like, yeah, like, what does he know? Yeah, like, what does he know about what happened down there besides what he learned from her? Like, like, even with Miller, like, he does, like, there's no, yeah, um, there, like, he doesn't, he doesn't seem to show a lot of, like, I guess, curiosity. Um, or like it's sort of like, okay, this is, this is who you are now. And I'm trying to understand it. And the process of him trying to understand it isn't something that we see, you know, like, like maybe we're meant to believe that like off screen at some point, um, you know, these conversations happen. But for the most part, like the people who, you know, people in the best position to sort of walk him through, like, here's what happened, are Kane and Abby, and he separated from them. Mm-hmm. You know, like Miller and Nyla, who he's with, don't really have that perspective. The the there was some nice stuff, like him and Indra, like they had some really nice moments, like yeah. especially like the Gaia stuff. Like there was like Bellamy, like that's a that's another friendship where I'm like, oh, this is a pairing I would not have expected, and now I'm like, I want all the mm-hmm. Bellamy and Indra, you know. Um, but again, like the 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 questions of like what what shaped her into that mm-hmm. you know like like do like like do we know does anyone accept clark like at the end at the end of the dark year episode does anyone except clark who wasn't there know about the like people eating you know like right. like yeah. i don't know that i don't know that they do yeah. like like abby tells clark so like clark and maddie know so presumably through like you know the magic of television shorthand will like we assume that everyone like we assume that the news eventually spreads right. you know but we never see it yeah. so so any any moment for for bellamy to reckon with that side of the story like like from and part of it i think is timing like the 
that flashback, like I get, I get why, why for sort of like, you know, like shock and drama reasons, um, why that reveal of those flashbacks was sort of staged as late in this season as it was. And I, and I don't object to the idea of like, I think the story structure of it working in tandem with like Abby's like withdrawal like is it like is a counterpoint that works nicely but the the problem with that is that like the is it's another like it's like it's another big emotional thread that is never reckoned with between anybody except like clark and abby and then a little bit abby and octavia right but they don't they don't confront i mean they yeah so i mean I, i mentioned this before we started recording um but i think it's really significant that so i you know i had not I watched the episode when it aired and I hadn't watched it again until yesterday. Um, and I, and I didn't rewatch any of the rest of season five. I didn't like review anything, you know, like I had basically had like sort of distanced myself from season five for like six months. And I came back and watched this episode and I realized it was only after I'd watched the episode that I started remembering a lot of details about it. Like there was huge things that like swaths of things that I had forgotten either entirely or, or hadn't remembered the full details of. So, like, I had forgotten what Clark and Raven's last interaction was and that it was when they were, like, trying to kidnap Maddie or whatever that was. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I had sort of forgotten Clark and Maddie shock lashing thing. Um, I had forgotten the full details of what went down between um, Clark and Bellamy or, like, I had – I sort of, like – I had to, like, be like, wait, wait, okay, hang on. What happened again when – that's right, she thought he was dead, blah, blah, blah. And like the thing is, oh, and I had forgotten. Um, uh, I mean, like I just like I'd forgotten a lot of details about you know like a sort of like major, seemingly major relationship events that had happened in previous episodes. And for the most part, watching this episode, it did not matter. Like I didn't have to have remembered those things for for anything that was happening on the screen. Um, and like like Clark and Raven. It didn't matter if I remembered what their last interaction was. It never, it was never relevant, mm-hmm. you know? Um, <clears throat> the, the Maddie and Clark thing that was totally over, you know? And, and then with Bellamy and Clark, you know, there's a, a bunch of layers in which, and like uh, one of the reasons why I could not, even though that sort of like image of them standing together, like listening to Monty's tale, looking down at the earth, like it's a lovely image. And even that little conversation that they have in the hallway, you know, about, like sort of checking in on on how people were doing, like how surgeries had gone and whatever. It's like, it's a nice little scene. But the reasons why I couldn't list those as things that I liked um, is because like they're too sort of bound up in the context, which is that number one, again, you know, you have this humongous piece of their relationship. Like the holes of season five was predicated on this thing where Bellamy thought she was dead and Clark called him every single day. And there's like this huge emotional, whatever, and they're reunited. And the only time it's ever brought up is in one tiny little conversation that Bellamy has with Maddie. Um, where, and then is never brought up again between Clark and Bellamy. And when they do finally talk, it's kind of, it's about like logistics. And then one tiny little thing where Bellamy is like, right, hey, right. Join the leaders. And she's like, you're not mad at me anymore. And then, and then, and this is where it actually helped me that I did not remember the full details of what had gone down between them in, in the second half of the season, because like all of their scenes made more sense when I didn't remember the details, because the details were 
Bellamy, you know, like kept Clark away from Maddie in order to physically alter the, like Clark's child against Clark's wishes. And then Clark like cold bloodedly left him to die. And like two humongous betrayals, like enormous betrayals, um, you know, that the, the, Arguably the greatest, like, definitely the greatest betrayals they have ever made of each other. Um, and the re- resolution for those huge betrayals is Maddie saying, well, she calls you every day, so she really cares about you. So you should forgive her. And then Clark saying, you're not mad at me. And Bellamy saying, well, the commander told me not to be. And like, and that's fucking it. That's it. All this build up, all this, like, this story that they built up going into the season for, like, and, you know, like, Bellamy and Clark are the sort of main spine of the show, like, that relationship is super important, whatever that means. They never once are allowed to have a full conversation with each other about their experiences while they were separated and what that means and what it means to them to be back together. Nor are they allowed to have, like, a real confrontation or or conversation about, like, what they did to each other that they felt that they needed to do that was a real betrayal. But rather, it's all just kind of, like, swept aside in this sort of, like, very half-assed little, uh, like, I don't know, we have five minutes to do this, so, bleh. Guess we'll have this moment with Maddie, and then, like, we'll have this sort of, like, cute little haha. I guess we're, we're totally cool now. Like, we don't need to talk about it. And, uh, and again, it's just, like, it's really, it's frustrating, um, and, and like, and so unsatisfactory. And, um, <laughs> and so the, there's like the level of not just like potential that they squandered, but like story that they set up that they did not bother to follow through on. Um, I, I, I can't get past it. I can't get past it. <laughs> I just, I honestly can't. And, you know, and it involves, like, the characters and the relationships. Like, all of the relationships and the characters that are most important to me got the shortest shrift. And that's the part where I'm just kind of like, I mean, you're telling me what's important to you about this show. What you are, what you want to invest time and effort um, and care into. And it is manifestly not the things that I care about. So, all right. I think that's totally fair. I mean, one of the sort of structural problems that I think that the finale really laid out, because like, like the, like there was so much in the early parts of the season that we loved so much. And I, one of the things that I think, like, one of my sort of big kind of structural frustrations is like when you, like, by the time you get to the sort of the end game of the finale, everything is so rushed like like i like i think if this episode was 90 minutes we'd all feel totally differently like if there was time for these things to breathe but like like the the moment from like you know like everything is sort of beginning to like mccreary goes ha i'm gonna destroy everything for reasons you have 11 minutes you know um and when we'll we'll come back to my McCurry thoughts in a second, but like my evil so, mustache so that, told me like, to <laughs> right, 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 yeah. So so we're just so we know that we're just sort of blasting through to the end, but then we're not even blasting through to the end because there's like a full like like eleven minutes or something at the end. That's all of the like the aftermath, like right. the, so that isn't even like so so the actual sort of action climax of this entire season is like six minutes long, yeah, you know, yeah, and and I and one of the one of the frustrations that I have with that, on some level, you can kind of be like, okay, well, like, you know, like, they had a lot of threads, so there's a fine amount of time to wrap them up. But then you think about, like, okay, so then, like, 
why did we like why did Kara Cooper exist? Right. Why did we have yeah. the worms? Yeah. Like why did we yeah. like like early in the season when things seemed to be moving to like moving at a at a at a good um enjoyable sort of like thorough thoughtful pace towards a bunch of things having big payoffs that then didn't have big payoffs so so a part of me is kind of like like i think the reason it's frustrating is it's like this was fixable if 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 you if there were fewer threads in the first half so you could have like like if you if you could have extracted some of those storylines that were sort of fake outs that were meant to make us think you're going in a particular direction, you know, like, like we, we don't need the worms to understand that Octavia has lost her fucking. No, mind. the worms turns out went fucking nowhere. There was no, point yeah, there was no reason for that, you know? And, and so like, so Kara Cooper, who was this, like at the beginning, like when she was first introduced, this really interesting character who like, like in episode two, what I kind of love about her role is that she exists to sort of be like the voice of like the dark underbelly of all of these choices that Kane and Abby and Jaha have made that we saw from the other side. And I was like, oh, like this is super dope. Like we're getting now, like we're getting the point of view of somebody who's like, like the way Nyla was for, um, when we first met her, where it's like, like her dad was killed in that battle. Yeah. And so she yeah. doesn't like Bellamy. You know, yeah, like Kara, yeah. Kara Cooper, like, like her as her husband was floated by Kane. Yeah. You know, so, so it's like, so like we love Kane. We've watched Kane evolve. Like we love Bellamy. We've seen Bellamy evolve. These two women don't know that. They don't owe them that. And so you get a foil who's not buying into our audience narrative of the characters whose decisions we empathize with because we watched them do it. And they're like, yeah, but the fallout was like, my family's dead and it's literally your fault and you can't escape that. And so, so that kind of like that, uh, that accountability and that sort of reminder of like, the cost on these people's soul of the choices that they've made stays with them. Like, I loved that for her. And then I loved that cut to like, oh my God, and how does she go from winning the first conclave to be, like, there was so, I was so excited about her and she's hot, you know, and like women with swords. I love it. You know, so I was, I was totally ready to be like, all right, like, are you my new lady Pike? You know, um, and, and then that she, that she had to like die in such a gruesome way in the service of a storyline that seems like, like beyond just like aren't gross things cool i genuinely don't understand why we why any of it was necessary like i the like the like the farmer stuff like like she had that great moment with monty like like there was she was serving other roles in the storyline that made sense but then like then we stayed with the worm issue for a really long time like a lot of time was spent on it yeah and it was like this whole thing about like well we can't walk across the desert because of the worms and then in 512 they just walk across the desert apparently entirely unconcerned or unmolested by worms with no explanation. And then they never right, come so- back ever again. So it's like, I guess that was like a huge deal until they needed it not to be. And then it just is not anymore. Like then what the fuck was the point of that whole thing? Right. Like what is like, what, why, why, when, like, why are there worms in the sand? Like, in this one episode and then later, like, 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 even if there had been a thing where, like, like, if some random red shirt 
got wormed as they were marching along behind Octavia. And it becomes another reminder of like, we're in this situation because of Octavia. Like, you, you, like there's ways you could have brought that. But so, so I, so I think, so in terms of like the context of the finale, I think one of my frustrations is that like the, the emotional, coming together of like sort of like restitching of some of these fractured relationships, even the piece of it I thought worked. There's a lot of that that could have happened much earlier. Like you can't put everything in the finale. You can't, you can't fire every gun at the same time. And, and so I, so I feel like there are like, there are ways to maintain the, you know, the sort of the suspense and the, you know, and the conflict and the holy shit, what's going to happen and that ticking clock that they sort of like so much as kind of a story device, like all those things, like to maintain that and also to extract out some of the, like the kind of, you know, the sort of like the game of thronesiness, the kind of like horror spectacle, you know, like violence kind of stuff, um, pull, like lift those things out and replace them with the character beats that will then make it sort of mean something when this shit hits the fan later, you know? And like, if you think about just like, like how many, how many minutes would be saved if we sort of lifted the worm storyline out, you know, or, or things like Maddie and like the boy Nightblood kid, you know, like who is like Jaha's protege. Like, again, like, like that's sort of like a thread that was dangling. Like he just gets randomly shot in the head and right. it's like, bye. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. And it yeah. was like, so like, like that's but, the most but, like, like, wrap up ever, I guess. Right. Like <laughs> RIP Ethan, but like, but both like at the end of season four for Jaha as like, as our sort of like, look at like what guy is doing with her kind of like little mini night blood school. Like he's like, there's like, there's all these sort of characters who were introduced to us, especially in the bunker world. Um, cause that's where the majority of the human life is, you know, being lived, who are introduced to us as like super important emotionally to more than one person. And then it kind of gets just sort of things just get dropped in a way where I'm like, is that like, is that, is that time and space that could have been spent on, you know, on like an emotional heart to heart scene between two characters who otherwise haven't had a single chance to like, talk and and i so i think it like our sort of recurring frustration with um relationship versus spectacle and kind of what kind of show the show wants to be i like i think the finale exemplifies that frustration in a lot of ways and i think especially just because like like in contrast to how like there's episodes in this season that are still um great great episodes and so much good stuff and there's still a lot in it that I really enjoy but I think that the number of places where I think bumping things up further you know like like say pulling out the worms allows you to move up the withdrawal storyline which allows you to move up the darkier flashback to like you know, two or three episodes earlier than it was, then there's time after that for everyone to process like, wait, they did what in the bunker? Wait, that's why she's like this? Okay, well, now I have like a little bit more of a sense of why things went wrong, you know? Um, so, so I think, so there's, I think it just the, it, it's, it's sort of, it was similar, I think, to the kind of like, 
like a little bit of like the season three problem where it's sort of like you have so many things happening at the beginning and then like once the storyline or it's like I guess like a reverse of that like once the storylines coalesce then you want it to kind of like tick along and season three was sort of like messy and all over the map in the beginning and then once everybody was in the same plot you're like all right now we're cooking with gas like now it's going along like gangbusters and I think that the the inverse of that I think is true here I think I a lot of the things that I really enjoyed in season five were like the slow process of the worlds coming together. And then once the world does all come together and everyone's in the same storyline, then it was sort of like, oh, well, but we only have five minutes right, <laughs> yeah. now, you know? So, uh, and, and one of those, so like my, like my, my biggest, I think where I was like, oh my God, this is so rushed. I have like, I, I feel like it's just a huge deflating letdown. It's like my, McCreary issues <laughs> are are manifold. That whole endgame of McCreary on that ship was oh my god, terrible. I, that was just like I'm sorry. There's no other word. It was just bad. No, I like it. I. <laughs> I it was I remember I like the first time I watched it. It's like when I when I watched it when I watched the finale first, like I had people over, like I watched it at a party. So part of me was like, okay, I must just be confused by how this all played out. Because maybe, like, I wasn't paying attention because there was, like, people in my living room. Um, and then I watched it again, and it's, like, it's just me in bed with my laptop with the subtitles on. And I'm still, like, wait, what's going – like, wait, what? Why? But why? But how? Why? And and so, like – so the thing – I was thinking about this before. Like, my biggest issue with McCurry – and this is no shade to, like, William's amazing. William, oh, yeah. William did heroic work with a character who – in lesser hands would have been like snidely whiplash yeah, levels yes. of like, yes. like, like cartoonishly mustache twirling. But the thing that I think, and this is part of, I think why the early half of the season works so much better for me is like, like I found McCreary genuinely sinister when he was like a barely contained force of menace who was still kind of nominally on Dio's side. Like when he's like, the terror, like the genuinely terrifying loose cannon who she has to kind of like keep the chain around his neck. And you watch the kind of like friction between him and Shaw and like her having to kind of like keep the bickering sibling separated. Um, and, and there's sort of like, like I think something that William played really beautifully was a sense of charmingly simmering menace. You know, like he says, like his voice is, he never raises his voice. His voice is very quiet and kind of seductive. And he he smiles a little and you're just like, okay, well, that is chilling shit. Like you are scary, you know? So like in the first half of the season, I was like, okay, so this is great because like we're watching like, you know, like, and he's kind of like behind the scenes, sort of like planting the seeds and he's got his own guys and you're like, oh, okay. So it's some, so he's like biding his time, you know, to like strike. And then, and then at a certain point and it's too far back, like I couldn't like name, like at a certain point it's like, we rip off the band-aid and he just goes full evil. And from that point on, I'm like, A, I'm no longer afraid of you. And B, it is incomprehensible to me that anyone treats you like anything other than what you visibly are. So the fact that smart people like Clark and Kane and Dioza, who should know better, continue to make deals with him under the and, and even like Abby, like because like Abby's like more like under duress, but like but like people who like like for like Clark and Dioza and Kane in particular, for the three of them, I'm just like, you are you are three of the most like 
perceptive and intelligent leaders of human beings this show has given us like like that it like a trait that all three of you have in common is that you like understand the people like you understand people like you can't always get your idea across you know like like clark knows enough about people in season one to know like i need bellamy to come give them the rip roaring speech because they don't like my speech but she know but she knows what they need you know she knows like what they need to hear um and you know and for and for Giosa, like the re the way she's able to keep these like this incredibly fucked up group of murder humans under control is because she can she can like lie or use the truth or whatever like totally strategically and be like what do i need to say to like get you on my side you know like kane's a diplomat that's his job you know and and so the fact that like at hugely key moments all of these people are handed the idiot ball and we're asked to believe that they look at him and they're like, this seems like a guy where if I just hand him what he wants up front, he will then deliver me what I want after based on like a gentleman's agreement. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's just like, and, and beggars so, then, believe. so then we end up, right, exactly. So, so then we end up in this ludicrous situation where like, Dioza has to be locked up in a cell to be taken out of play because that's the only reason why it's even remotely plausible. Like we talked about in the, when we reviewed five, five, twelve, the only reason that it's plausible that McCreary has like, you know, wrested control away from her is that she has to physically leave the building, you know? So then in the finale, then we end up in this like craze ball situation that simultaneously has ludicrously high stakes and no stakes <laughs> at the same time and i don't and i don't quite know how that's true but like I, that's but that's how i felt like the whole time when they're on the bridge like part of me is like okay so like I, he's just like he just goes banana pants crazy you know like like he's like tor- like like the torturing scene i was like okay this works okay because you know that like because it's about it's about Shaw and Raven and both of them being people who are like human enough that like, I can't watch this person suffer. And also I know how high the stakes are of neither of us flying this ship. So like there's, so there's some heat in that scene that comes from just the work that Lindsay and, and Jordan's faces are doing, but the McCreary of it all, you're just sort of like, okay, yeah, like he's chill. Oh, oh. And then, <laughs> so my other thinking of the props, panel um so so we asked at the at unity days last year this is a brief tangent but it is relevant later so we unity days last year we asked um one of the questions that was asked was like what's your favorite prop and anthony was like i can't tell you what it is yet because it like plays a part in like a big like spoilery scene but, like if i come back next year i'll tell you and then we asked him again like okay what was the one you were talking about and he was talking about how his sort of stealth favorite prop in season five was the like big like leg chomper <laughs> thing because he's like because it's so fucking ridiculous and they kept being like go away and make it bigger go away and make it bigger and he's just like he's like what would this tool ever be used for like right, why does this right. exist Who, why do they have this you know and and so then so like so re-watching it again like after having had the conversation with Anthony I couldn't get out of my head I was like like this is like the the giant leg chomper 
is the McCreary problem in a nutshell. It, like in like as exemplified in one physical object because it is so big that it's that it's ludicrous. It's so over the top. It's so cartoonishly evil that I'm not for a moment genuinely menaced by it or afraid. He's the kind of problem character where the the problem of him is such that he also like you were like I think like you were saying sort of picking up on what you're saying before about um, like Kane and, and Dio's and even Clark, like that he warps the other characters around him to also have to behave like other characters also have to behave in non credible or out of character ways in order to like make right. so like so like, for instance, like the whole thing where everyone is standing there watching him enter the launch codes and like painfully slowly oh, being right. like, you better stop. Any second now, I'm going to do something about this. You like, know? Clark, you have a gun. Just fucking shoot him. Why? Like, what? what is stopping you? Why? Like, why, why right. would you not? So, um, you know, and then, like, I remember, like, the first watching it after it airs and, like, mass confusion about whether he was dead or not. Because, like, she just, like, stomps right. on him and is like, wait. She just stomps on like she she gives the like the like fuck you i'm gonna about to murder you line and then it's like wait so after all of that after him being like so terrifying that he's like the arch villain he just gets like like a kick and he's dead and And also like clark is like will stand there doing nothing while he enters the launch code and then like has his finger hovering above the like launch button for agonizingly long sentences or sentences, uh, seconds and not do anything. But then as soon as he hits it and there's nothing that they, that can be done and no point in like killing him or punishing him because it's already done. They're like, all right, well now we could leap into action and kill him. It's like, what other, other than the fact that like for plot reasons, he had to launch those bombs. Right, that's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> like so, everyone involved had to behave as if they were stupid and or not themselves for five minutes in order for this thing to happen because you already decided that this thing had to happen. Right, the sort of the frustratingly kind of like out of characterness of that moment is it's like once it is clear to everyone, like Dioza knows immediately, and like once she kind of exposits for everyone else in the room, um, what it is that he is doing with her notepad, like it's like. Every single person in that room, when they are acting like themselves, is the kind of person who would be like, you know what? Me getting shot by one of McCreary's guards is worth it to stop this from happening, to destroy everyone you love in the planet. Like, Raven would take that bullet, Shaw would take that bullet, Clark would take that bullet, and Dioza, even with her baby, they would all take that bullet. So, like, like, why Clark, who had a gun kept it pointed at Dioza's baby once it became clear that that gambit had failed. Right, yeah. Like, it's not and, working. And didn't just, he's not buying <laughs> yeah. it. Like, so, you know, so so then you shoot him in the head, and then, like, maybe, and then you know, just, like, and take then you the take chance. Yeah, you like, you, like, you, like, right. take advantage of that moment of stuff. But that's how you saved your daughter, yeah. Clark. Like, yeah. that's how, yeah. that's, that's what right. you do, you know. Oh, my God. So, and then also so just that, being asked to believe that Mercury, out of nowhere, completely out of character, cares so much about his unborn child, which is also just like, well, that, uh, that was the other thing too. Like I, (laughs) yeah, like I, I felt like we, the, 
like the the like the baby being McCreary's. So like here, like where where I where I love like where that reveal works great is like like when Dio when Dioza uses it to surprise him into freezing so she can jab him with a piece of broken glass. I was like, that is the right way to use that you know piece of information. But beyond that, like there's a there's a there's a possessiveness and a territorialness to it where like. Like, we see, like, he's angry at Dioza for, like, leaving because he feels like in some sort of potentially much more interesting kind of toxic masculinity version of the story, like, like the version of McCreary that I'm more interested in is, like, that he feels on some level that she is stealing something that belongs to him by leaving with his baby. It's like, like, go there. Like, that's interesting because that's, that's, that's a, that's a real, that's a real modern life. That's a real life villain. There are real men like that, you know? And like, so that kind of motivation for it of like, I don't care about my baby as a baby. I don't want to raise her on this ship and be a hands-on nurturing parent. <laughs> I, I care that you won. Yeah. Like, yeah. I care that you, like, it's a thing. That is also half mine. And if you leave me and have control over it, then I've lost like a possession. I've lost like points in some way. And it becomes about this ego struggle. And that feels like so much more true to who they are to the relationship where it's like, like it was clearly just like it was asteroid hate sex. They weren't, he was never emotionally invested in Dioza in a way that you would be able to sensibly extrapolate that he'd be emotionally invested in his child with her. And we get no, um, we get no nuance of like, um, like nothing of, nothing sort of fleshing him out psychologically in a way where caring about a baby as a baby makes sense. You know, like, like I feel like I, I almost more feel like, like the story, like the real story that that would fit between McCreary and Dioza, you know, it's like Solomon and the two mothers. You know, it's like like the real mom w- is willing to like sacrifice herself to save the kid, and the fake mom is like, let's put the baby down the middle, like at that. You know, like yeah, like I feel like it would be more in character for McCreary to be like, well, I mean, cool if you shoot the baby, then neither of us gets it, and she dies, so that's fine. You know, like exactly as long as yeah, she doesn't right, get it, right. I, that she does as long as as long as she doesn't get yeah. it, then I don't care. So like that, that's a to me that feels like an emotionally consistent through line for who we've seen him to be as a person up to this point. And so it just, so it feels like, um, like, like again, like as, as with like the way that like with Dioza and Kane kind of like surrendering and hoping to God that their plan works in the previous episode, Clark gambling on him having paternal instincts feels like a thing that, that both Clark and Dioza would be too smart to do like like okay like sure like use that as a distraction like walk in there with your gun pointed at Dioza's belly to get him to like freeze in the middle of what he's doing and get the drop on him and then shoot him in the head right exactly (laughs) yeah you know but like but don't don't play that out for seven minutes right no seriously (laughs) seriously yeah and that really really pulled me out of it you know it's just sort of like it really did the whole situation is so, so contrived right so then so then you're on the bridge of the ship and 
And you're like, okay, so now we're in this sort of action. Because like he plugs in the numbers, and then everyone's like, no, McCreary, what are you doing? But they don't do anything. They're just like, oh my god, we're all gonna, the whole planet's gonna die. Um, and and then like, and that his motivation for it is the like, if I can't have this valley, no one can. And it's like, well, that's not. That's also not like he's like he's a cockroach. Like he's a survivalist. Like he's a so so the idea of like. I'm so emotionally attached to both this land and this baby. Like I was just like, I don't. Yeah, I mean, like, it, like I, honestly, like, like it just felt to me like, like it was decided. Well, the planet's got to blow up, and then they never bothered to figure out an organic reason for it. And then this was just like, I don't know, Mercury just just like fuck right. everyone. Like like there's <laughs> there's a room with so many guns. <laughs> Like, there's so many guns in that room, and not one person with a gun uses a gun. Like, McCreary's guards, what's the reasoning by which they don't just immediately shoot everybody? Right? Like, why don't they? Like, like, they have to realize, like, this guy is jeopardizing our lives, our chance to survive in this place. They don't care about Dio's baby. So they would just be like, oh, okay, you're, like, you're gonna, like, you're gonna pull a gun on Dio's We don't care. There's four of us, and, like, four of you. We're just gonna shoot you all in the head, and then McCreary's in charge. Boom, done. Like, why did that not happen? Nobody knows. Unless, and so here's the thing, like, unless there was no, like, bullets in that gun and she was bluffing, which is also another Clark thing to do, but I, I think we're meant to believe that she stole it from the guard she Yeah, passed, right, yeah. Which means it would have been a real gun. So many things are almost, you know, like, like there are, there are half a dozen different ways you could get the same group of characters and the same number of guns, you know, Onto the bridge of the ship and and play out the sort of basic beats that you needed in ways where I felt like people were behaving like themselves. And so that's why I was kind of saying like it like it both feels like like the stakes are literally like could not be higher because it's like, does Earth exist? Yes or no. But also could not be lower because you're sort of like. Where's my emotional investment? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Earth yeah. blows up because because how it happened was just like beep boop beep. I push button, you know, yeah. and um, <laughs> and the you know, and like and then the Damocles of it all, like like again, you know, like like things that could have been built up. Yeah, like the Damocles reference doesn't really work here because the idea is like this sword has been hanging over us the whole time, and it's like okay, but we didn't know that until like literally five seconds before it actually drops. So. Right, right. Like if if that because we got the like don't let Dioza weaponize the car. Yeah, it kind of feels like a Deus Ex Machina sort of cop out thing. Like, well, they can't stay on Earth, so why can't they stay on Earth? I don't know. There's a bomb in orbit and has been the whole time. Okay, sure, why not? Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's like so, and it, and it feels like and it's like again like there's a I think so many of these things it's like there's a way. There's a way you could have done this, you know, like there's like, again, like pulling we out literally, like, I remember the week in between 512 and 513, so many people being like, oh, my God, this is where the worms come back because it turns out like they can't live in yeah, the same place. Yeah. And Clark dumped them in the desert. There's that close up and then they move in and they're like, shit, like we can't live in the place with these worms. How are we going to get rid of them? OK, we're going to take the like gamble of bombing that to kill the worms and then put ourselves in cryosleep and wake up like that would have been. 
a way to tie up to like the loose end of the worms and have like an actual organic reason to drop the bomb. And they, but they did and neither then of those Octavia things. And Octavia and McCreary share responsibility right. yeah. then for the death of yeah, Eden. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, or, or even McCreary like tries to stop them from dropping the bomb and they kill him in order to do it or like whatever. Like, and instead they chose like, the worst version of all of the things you could have possibly done to get to the same place. <laughs> it was an unforced error, you know, like you did not have to fuck this up. Yeah. And that's, and I think that, so that was like, for me, it was like, I, I think there are so many, like, I guess, I guess like my, my writer's brain, I think where I'm like, like, I'm like so frustrated um, is feeling like, both like along the season as a whole and in this finale, the things that, that I found just really like where I was like, okay, we didn't take the landing here. Like they really, I think they were fixable. You know, I think that like, like pulling out, um, the kind of extraneous action, horror, shock and awe kind of plot sequence, like the worm things, you know, like from the beginning of the season, building in more of the emotional stuff, slowing things down pulling the trigger a little bit earlier on some of the things that lead to this sort of like cascade of action, action, action. Um, and, and letting the sort of Damocles be a sword of Damocles, like let that be something that like all season long, if like, if McCreary had the launch codes the whole time, if he just knew them and at any fucking moment he could go rogue and push that button. And that's part of why he has to be contained and kept in line because Dioza knows that he knows the launch codes and she can't reprogram and change them. And so part of what makes him a threat that she has to kind of like keep him in line a little bit is that at any moment he could just be like, haha, I'm going to blow everything up and fly away. You know, but that um, presumes that they knew that they, that they knew that the bombs existed earlier in the process, which they might not have. And that's where I wonder, I think, I think that's where I feel like potentially the reason a lot of these things feel like um like brilliant storylines kind of like plummet off cliffs around episode eight and nine or um the finale feeling like we were just sprinting through it to then get to this sort of like slow leisurely emotional kind of coda that we like hustled our asses to like get to that point you know um i think a lot of that is because like it does make you feel like when they started writing the season, how much of how the season was going to end, you know, did they know? Well, and I, I do strongly suspect that they changed their mind about some shit halfway through. Like, for instance, Belark. <laughs> yeah, I think that it, I think that, yeah, I think that's, I think that's one of them. I think that there are choices, like, there are things that, that I think don't make sense. If you sort of look at it as a whole, unless you're like, okay, at some point between the first half and the second half, a bunch of things, like people change their mind about like some huge shit, you know, like Clark and Melanie's relationship obviously being a huge one, but also like, 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 (laughs) like on a, on a sort of fundamental level, is this show sort of propaganda on behalf of dictators? (laughs) Yes, let us talk about the commander shit. Like, (laughs) like I, like one of the things that I was thinking about as I was rewatching was a kind of endemic problem that has come up 
in every season with with multiple characters is a sort of idea that the leaders that we like are all like the leaders that we're sort of given to believe in some way are like um like our kind of hero point of view characters you know the the clarks the lexas the canes the are are um the maddies you know like are are dictators who appoint themselves the characters who are leaders that are democratically elected are villains it's like diana sydney um, you know, like, like, I mean, Jaha, I guess, like, you know, characterizing Jaha as a villain, but like he, but he is not presented to us as being like, and I, he's a the good best leader. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Like Sydney, yeah. um, Jaha, Pike, um, um, Dante Wallace, probably Dante like Wallace. he was probably elected. He's yeah. the president, yeah. you know? So you have, you have attempts made at showing us governmental systems where people have a voice in who leads them and kind of like almost uniformly, the characters that are like we're sort of we're sort of shown like well the people can't be trusted to make these decisions because they're like they're dumb and they picked Pike you know? yeah um, so what we need is a new version of divine right kingship um, right. where we need, like a nice dictator yeah instead of the bad dictator yeah what we need is know, like a new like, version of so- divine right kingship crossed with like a weird version of technocrat you know technocracy where it's like God is a computer chip. And right, and there's like a genetic component where if you're born with the right blood, then you're that means that you were born to be somehow, uh, like a, a leader by fiat of all these people, right? <laughs> so like, so I think the so the commander thing, like if you look at sort of like the long arc of season five, there is this there's a very like a very very clear pattern of sort of like. Like an exchange of power from so starting back in season four, where like we're we're being told we're kind of like dispensing with the old ways, right? Like the the time of the commanders is over. We're one crew now. We're a whole different thing. Like we, you know, we are like a united group that represents all of the groups. And like Octavia is nominally in charge, but at the beginning there's a council. You know, like there's there's a rep from each clan sitting around a table arguing about blankets. You know, like like an attempt was made. Yeah, you know, but um, it's like, well, democracy got us nowhere. Right, that failed. Yeah. So she, so in order to, in order to become who she had to become, in order to make the hard choices, you know, Octavia becomes sort of the, the worst kind of the bad, the archetype of the bad dictator that we've seen over the course of the show. And, and instead of the resolution to that arc being like, what you did wrong, Octavia, was removing people's agency. So the solution should be restoring agency. Instead, what happens is the solution is restoring the previous world order that was dismantled because it was also a dictatorship. It was just like a nicer one because we liked Lexa um, and we like Maddie and, and the, and the way that lo- like, the characters who believe in this faith tradition, like Gaia, is a hero to us. Indra is a hero to us. And I think the you most, know, and the most like disturbing and frustrating, or w- most disturbing, and one of the most frustrating parts of the way that the sort of Flame Commander story plays out in this episode is like not only do they return to it, but the show like double or even triples down on the remystification of that benevolent 
sort of divine right dictatorship to the point where to the point where you have characters who have who have absolutely no basis in their history of anything we know about to grant the sovereignty uh, of this figure, let alone that like they are they have every right to be deferred to such as Bellamy out of nowhere, just being like, oh, she's had it. OK, cool. I'm just going to like I'm just going to kneel down. And not only am I going to do it performatively to try to like, you know, reunite the troops that we need to kind of get together to, to escape the situation. I'm going to keep deferring to this 12 year old girl in when we make serious decisions because she is Hedda. And now for some reason, out of nowhere, for with no explanation, I'm a person who wholeheartedly believes in the system. Yeah. And like and so then at the end, then when it's like, OK, so we have like we got we got all the brains together we talked through all of our options we figured out like cryo is yeah. like here's the reasons why if necessary here's like the sort of so, like jordan talking about like the half-life of Hitler. like we, we got all the brain trust in the room we made a decision and so instead of everyone just being like great so we have voted mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. we we are sort of the governing body of these 420 still people. self-appointed We've decided. not great but like we're getting there at least it's a group right right you know? but but, but, but at least there's like 10 of us yeah <laughs> right right yeah um but so so then then instead of just saying like okay so the expert here is jordan who understands how the half-life of hithelodium works or monty the scientist the the person they all turn to and like okay maddie you give the order you give the go-ahead and it's kind of like i do not grant the premise that that is even a rational thing for any person in that room to do or agree to do, let alone that it is the right thing for them to do, let alone that it's something that I'm supposed to be like, yes, oh my God, Hedda. Oh, okay. Thank God. Everything is okay again. We have Hedda. She has the flame. And here's the thing. So here's the other thing. (laughs) Y'all, I hate the fucking flame so much. And you know it. I've ranted about it before and I will try to contain myself now. But like, Nothing in this episode resolved any of the issues that I had prior to this episode and in fact only compounded them. So like that's the sort of like political, um, uh, the, the really pernicious political implications of this. Um, but I think like, so here's the thing. I think the thing in this episode that is meant to be the thing that persuaded all the characters that the commander that like Maddie is not just Maddie, but the commanders and that, and that the flame has real power. And it's like a thing of such amazingness that everyone ought to defer to it is when they're all nonsensically turning to a 12 year old girl to be like, what do we do now about this impasse that we're in? Um, and, uh, and Maddie turns to Gaia and Gaia's like, ask the commanders. And then we get this thing where like, she has like a flash of some images in her mind. And then she's like, I have this plan. And I think the plan that she gives is supposed to be so brilliant and amazing that a, we as an audience are convinced that like, Oh my God, wow. The wisdom of the commanders is a real thing that is like indispensable and we need it. And B that everybody else is like, Oh my God, the wisdom of the commanders. But the plan is so much, not a plan that like, Not only could, like, Echo have come up with that plan, Murphy could have come up with that plan. Because the entirety of the plan, as far as I can tell, is, uh, just drive the rover into, um, the line of fire and then shoot some stuff at the guns and then they, and then hopefully they'll blow up and then we can go through. 
Like that is the entirety of the plan. Yeah, like send in send in the rover as a distraction, draw out the cannons so you can shoot out the cannons, and then there won't be any cannons and everyone else sort of marches through. Yeah. Like that. I mean, that's the kind of thing where I'm like, like, Kane, why didn't you do that a week ago? <laughs> right, exactly. Like, like literally anyone in that camp could have come up with that plan. Like you have an entire camp right. full of soldiers, many of whom are very experienced soldiers. Um, you know, Miller could have come up with that plan. Bellamy could have come up with that plan. Echo sure as fuck could have come up with that plan. Um, but again, that feels to me like a Murphy plan, you know, like, or a Bellamy plan. Like, ah, let's just like run in there and then they'll shoot at us and then we'll like figure it out. And then watching that scene again, this was like, I like, I literally laughed out loud at this. Like I had to rewind and rewatch to make sure that what I saw was accurate because it was like so absurd. That what happens like with those cannons, these like, oh my God, these crazy cannons that we can't possibly get past. First, Echo fires an arrow, an ordinary arrow made of wood and feathers and a little bit of like a little piece of metal at the front into the fuselage. And the cannon instantly blows up in such a way that it kills all of the men with guns on the ridge who cannot be replaced, apparently. And then Bellamy shoots at it. Hit, hit one of his bullets ricochets off the side of the fuselage of the cannon and it instantly blows up. So like, first of all, those cannons evidently are like fatally flawed and probably should have blown up a long time ago if when they were bumped gently against a rock while they were mining because they were that unstable. And like B, unless the commanders somehow had very detailed specs D, like that showed all of the like structural weaknesses of those cannons and then explained them in painful detail to Bellamy and Echo. And then Bellamy and Echo were able to hit those weaknesses somehow, even though they were under fire and blow them up. Unless all of that is true, then they were just sort of like, uh, I don't, I, IDK just like shoots some arrows and bullets at it and sees what happens. And then they got lucky. So like, how is this a plan that is supposed to make me go like, oh my God, wow. Wisdom of the commanders. Yes. This is something that like legitimately makes this the best possible form of government. <laughs> and like knowing, like knowing that there is a direct link between Becca's company and Allegius mining, like what a missed opportunity for the Uber weapon to be something that Becca designed or yeah, created. Right. And that we go back into Becca's scientist brain of like, okay, here's the exact spot down to the millimeter, you know, like here's the flaw in the Death Star, you know, like if it was something more complicated than just like, uh, you know, a gun that they could sort of like hit the broad side of, but it was some like, you know, like some, like, like it's the hithelodium bomb, but you have to take it out without exploding the hithelodium or something like that. Like something that like, like tech from Becca's time that Becca had a hand in where Becca's mind being in Maddie's mind gives Maddie access to like, not just like, not just like a kind of information, but like a way of thinking. That's different, you know, than before. Like, I, I think that the shift between, like, something that, like, that Maddie just, like, as a scrappy 12-year-old could have come up with versus something where it's, like, no, like, specialized knowledge uh, in, on some level is required here. You know, like, I think, uh, to me, it just felt like this is a missed opportunity for us to be, like, for that, for the link that they sort of handed to us and then, and then 
you know, didn't pay off all the way as much as we wanted it to, that like Becca and the Nightblood and like her company and their technology is sort of a link amongst all of these things, like the new planet and Second Dawn and Allegis Mining and like the City of Light and like all like like Becca's sort of the heart of all that stuff. And so like again, it's like it's all almost. Like there's totally a way where like you could completely have sold me on the flame being useful as a piece of technology that contains a huge amount of data about technology that's no longer manufactured that that nobody understands the innate workings of because it was designed a hundred years ago. They've never seen anything like it before. But know? like you and cannot you cannot convince me that having this thing in her head without and we have no we have no indication of what kind of knowledge is in there other than like plans that anyone could have come up with. That this then, like, is a reasonable sign that whoever has it in their head should be anointed as the unquestioned dictator of everyone. Yeah, that's why I feel like the, 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 uh, the unexamined dislike for democracy as a system of government that runs through this entire show is is startling like it really like once you see it you can't unsee it you're like you really hate election (laughs) seriously (laughs) you know and um and so it's just so it's like just kind of like it's troubling as like a commentary on the world in the year of our lord 2019 what we do not need to be doing is glorifying dictators Even nice ones. What I find troubling about it because I, it feels like something that they are not intending to examine is like, like the, like, okay, so like in season three, for example, you know, like one of the sort of, one of the things that worked in terms of this kind of like the, the, you know, the sort of dictator question was like, um, the way that you sort of had like, like uh, in one storyline, like Kane versus Pike paralleled in the other storyline, like Lexa versus Antari. You have these sort of moderate centrist who is willing to listen and wants to try to, and is, is in the middle of the messy process of finding a new way while still being kind of a self-appointed dictator. But, but, but is, but is trying to figure out is there a better way for us to be versus the Pike and the Antari kind of like opposite poles who are like, nope, twas ever thus. There's no reason to change it. I have made myself, you know, like leader using this system. So we're going to just like, we're going to adhere to like the old ways, the Exodus charter, you know, whatever. Um, And so like, so in, so in a season that's all about like kind of political gamesmanship and leadership, um, the question of like, what does it mean that, um, you know, Kane lost an election and tried to overthrow the rightfully elected leader because he believed that he was wrong, which can be a, a you know, a hero story. And Lexa, as somebody who is like a dictator who's maybe realizing, like, maybe I don't want to be a dictator anymore. Maybe dictatorship is actually a flawed system. And they're sort of in the process of exploring what that means, you know, and um and this show doesn't necessarily close out that arc because then all of season four becomes about the sort of end of the world ticking time bomb. So we don't really go back to politics as a, or, or what leadership means in the same way as a story that's explored, but we really do hugely in season five and, and it leaves open, like it, it doesn't, 
I don't feel from the way season five ended in terms of the sort of transfer of power and the reinvigoration of the old ways of making Nightblood kids the president mm-hmm, of the United States. Mm-hmm. I like, um, I, I don't feel that this show has necessarily learned all of the lessons from Lexa and Kane and, and Clark and all those leadership sort of conversations that we dug into in season three, as much as it maybe thinks that it has like, like, like eradicating blood must have blood and that kind of vengeance mindset is sort of one piece of it. And obviously when like Octavia brings that back, we're like, that's bad. We don't like that. But like, but in terms of like the power, like the structure of power being in the hands of, like you said, like of one person who's sort of special because of blood and birth and is therefore assumed by the kind of gullible general populace to be like um, the, you know, like the one that sort of like has the magical powers. Like it, like to me, it makes me feel like I don't quite know then what I was supposed to take from season three in terms of what is like what is the new society these people are trying to well that's the thing because this feels to me like i mean honestly this just feels to me like they want another bite at the apple at season three it's just a retread like we didn't get to like alicia had to go you know lexa died whatever but now we can do all the stuff we didn't get to do before with this kid now and i'm just like i mean to kind of kind of transition into talking about some you know about why we will be returning to, um, you know, weekly po- uh, uh, recaps uh, podcasts in season six. For me, like one reason why in terms of like how wh- the, the part of this decision that has to do with the show itself, um, for me, it kind of boils down to that that this is one big reason, you know, and, and I think ultimately what it comes down to is like. The second half of season five and the sort of ending of season five really showing to me very in a kind of like in a weirdly like unexpectedly definitive way that what the show is interested in, what it sees itself doing or wants to explore are for the most part things that I'm not interested in, you know, like I, I, I'm, I, I really, really, really don't want a a whole nother season of the commander and the flame, you know, for all the reasons that we've talked about, Um, for all of the sort of uncomfortable implications that seem to be completely unacknowledged and uninterrogated um, to be not even conscious, you know, to the point where they could be a part of the story because they're just kind of there. Um, I, I cannot like, the idea of of having to like talk about that stuff every single week on a podcast it's like painful to me i don't like ranting you know what i mean like that's the thing like i don't like i don't enjoy ranting about it i don't feel good about it you know like it doesn't make me happy um and and uh and there's some other reasons there's there are reasons for that that are like there's some like behind the scenes reasons for that stuff too where i'm especially just kind of like i I do not want to talk about this anymore. You know, like I just don't, you know, like by we've, we've thoroughly laid out our problems with that chunk of the world building and with the way that they've gone about it. And like after tonight, like I basically would never want to talk about that again. 
<laughs> in a public venue. Um, you know, like I'm done with it. I'm not interested in it. It's, you know, it's, I'm not going to come around on it, you know, like, um, and then the other big part of it for me is kind of going back to what you're talking about, um, in terms of some of the issues in the season being fixable, like, Theoretically, yes. You know, you could have, it is possible to sort of imagine, go back and, and sort of counterfactually imagine a season five where you remove some things that they chose to spend time on and, and to open up space to have spent more time on some of the sort of like emotional, psychological character relationship fallout of things that happen in season five and also, you know, to pick up and spend more time on um, you know, the sort of the, the huge character relationship stakes that they set up going into season five that kind of didn't go anywhere. But the thing to me about it is that what the season communicated to me very strongly is that they didn't do that because that is not what they're interested in. Um, it's what I'm interested in. It's where I, it's things that would be very valuable to me. It's things that are, that are, that are much more interesting to me than some other, you know, than like what, what wound up kind of happening with the sandworms and all that stuff. But the truth is, it's very manifestly true that while that might be what is valuable and interesting to me, it's not what they are interested in pursuing. You know, they being Jason probably primarily because it's, you know, he's the executive producer. It's his, show ultimately he kind of has the final say on what what story they're telling and and what they they decide to do i mean that's just not what he wants to that's not what he wants to spend time on Ever, over and over and over and over again and this season is no different in this respect from season four we talked about the same kind of thing in certain places and you know there are times when they do do it you know they do give it time but but overall you know they just the choices that they've made keep showing that that's not what they're interested in spending time on. And so for me, I've kind of reached a point where it's like, I need to stop hoping that the show becomes the show that I, I think it could be and hoping that the show becomes interested in the things that I want to be, that, that I'm interested in, that I wanted it to be interested to be and look at it and say like, this is the show as it is. And is this something that I want that I'm interested in continuing to invest this much time and attention and energy into, um, you know, is this to, like, you know, to Marie Kondo, my, my life, like, is this, is this a show that is this something that does it does, spark joy? Does it spark joy? <laughs> this show doesn't spark joy in me anymore. You know, I like, it just not, not that there are again, like, not that it's like, this is not, none of this is to say like, this is a terrible show. This is a trash show, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like that, or, or to dismiss the experiences of people for whom, who still enjoy it, for whom it still sparks joy. Like, that's wonderful. I'm glad, but it just, for me, it doesn't, you know? And, um, and like, to be perfectly honest, like, like I said, a huge amount of that is, is about the sort of flame stuff, but the other huge part of it is, you know, it is. Uh, there was a kind of like one, two punch at the end of the season of the kind of the, the Bellamy Clark stuff never getting resolution being sort of like rushed past. Um, and then that interview with Jason that came out right after, um, where he said, you know, he, he called them like platonic soulmates. And so this is something, this is the other huge thing for me, for me personally, 
Um, and I know for some other folks who are Blark fans, and this is like, obviously, you know, if, if you don't care about Blark, then it's not something that you would have cared about. But this is the first time in my experience with the show where I, as a shipper, felt that I had been baited by the show. And when I say baited, what I mean is that I was deliberately set up to, like, basically, like, they they did a bunch of things, particularly in the first half of the season in, like, 503, 504, that were very, very obviously and blatantly framed in these highly romantic ways that were set up to essentially be like, here you go, Belarkers, here's that thing you wanted, and and potentially to set up an arc, which whether they ever had any intention of following through on it, they didn't. And so, so to get to that end, that sort of like, that like whimper of an ending you know, or lack of ending between Bellamy and Clark. It wasn't just a sort of lack of resolution. It was that there was a kind of like setup and a build up. Um, and, uh, it, you know, way more blatantly and, and deliberately than there ever had been in the past that they apparently had no intention on ever following through on. And then to follow that up with that comment for like, for me, like, and I'm somebody who like has been, who has said all along, and this is sincerely true. Like I don't need Blark to be canon. You're like, I love this relationship. It's really central. Like I would love it if there was canon, but it doesn't have to be blah, 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 blah. But like that started to change when you did things like you, like the whole scene of Bellamy and Clark seeing each other for the first time and him rescuing her and blah, blah, like all that shit. You know what I mean? Like when you start sort of like, or like framing sort of Bellamy and Echo's reunion through Clark's eyes, like all these sort of tropes of TV making that if you had no intention of ever framing that really ever suggesting that that relationship would go there or framing that, you know, Bellamy and Clark's relationship as relationship or as, as romantic, um, make no sense whatsoever. Like you just, you wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? And so, so to me, this is the first time I kind of felt like really baited and I felt really betrayed. And that was like really, really painful. And that's one of the reasons why I was so angry. Like, you know, part of the reason that it took us six months to record this is because like for a long, 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 long time, I was just too angry and bitter and disillusioned and upset, partially because of that stuff. And again, partially because of the flame stuff and some of the sort of behind the scenes stuff happening with that, that um, I just like, there was no possible way I could have done this. Like it was too, it was too painful to talk about. Like, I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to think about it. When I did think about it, I was too angry. Um, and eventually kind of what I arrived at, you know, the piece that I arrived at with that was realizing that this was just a point at which I really, I just needed to let this go. I needed to let the show go. You know, like I needed to, like, there's no way that I could return to the show or this podcast and, and, and be happy. Like, it's just never, it was, it was, yeah, it's just like, I can't do it. You know, <laughs> I need for me, you know, for, for me, um, you know, it, in order to be able to let go of those feelings. And like I said, I don't like feeling bitter and angry, you know, like I don't like ranting. I don't like all that stuff. Um, I don't want to be that person. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't hate watch things and I don't want to, you know? Um, 
And so, so what I need to do for me, you know, is, is just, is just let it go. It's just to sort of look at the show and, and kind of accept like, okay, you know, like it is the, the, the choices that they've made, the direction that they're going, that's their choice to make. Um, it doesn't have to be right or wrong, you know, in a kind of like universal truth sort of way, but I can, for me, I can decide whether or not this is something that is right or wrong for me to keep, um, keep sort of like putting such a huge amount of myself and my time and my energy and my emotion into. And for me, you know, I think this is the point where I need to walk away. I think I mean, I, I feel like that um, I think where I have sort of landed, um, it's, it's, it's sort of like, like, it's interesting, like we like we started out having like very like sort of very strongly different reactions to the finale when we watched the first time and have sort of like, 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 <laughs> like landed in a similar place over sort of like slightly different issues. But like, <laughs> but I, you know, but like for me, like I like a lot of a lot of what you're what you're saying is, you know, is sort of like stuff that I've gone through like been sort of going through and figuring out and thinking from kind of like slightly different angles. Like I, you know, like for me, like part of why I was able to watch, you know, the last couple episodes of the season and, and enjoy them enormously was that I was sort of like, I think I was already sort of shifting, like, like I would like to have a different relationship with this show. Like I would like the show to be a show that I can kind of just like, watch and it can be fun you know and like like i watch a lot of cw shows that are just like fun and something like like river like i love riverdale it's so stupid sometimes it's full of plot holes but it's super enjoyable like i like like the new charm like i'm like i'm just like i'm just like a cw fan like there's a lot of things on the cw that like scratch my tv itch you know um and i don't necessarily feel like i want to dedicate the enormous amount of of you know, time and effort and labor into like, like, like putting together a weekly podcast, especially with like how long we talk and how like, you know, the logistics of like editing and, you know, and processing and maintaining that. It's like when this show's running, it's like an additional halftime job yeah, for us in addition is. to our it actual is. other like yeah. jobs and lives yeah. and book deadlines. And so part of it is like sort of the basic calculus of like, um, like at, you know, like of, like, is the time that this takes time that I feel great about spending on this, thing, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and, and so, so part of it too is just sort of like, like making a podcast is a lot of work. And if you're not super, super hyped about it, that work feels like tedium that's also sort of taking away from your life. Um, so I think just sort of like, I think that asking yourself that sort of question, you know, is always super valid. And I, I think I probably like, so I was sort of like already kind of thinking, like even like even watching the finale where I was sort of like, okay, so like there's there's a lot of holes in this plot, but I'm also kind of like I'm like I'm along for this ride, I'm having fun. It's this wacko, but sure, let's see where this ends up. You know, um, I think that from that mindset, um, I think that there are a lot of different and 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 may still end up being like a lot of different possibilities for a season a season six that I could enjoy. On that same level, yeah, like yeah, have yeah. some friends over and have cupcakes and champagne, and we're gonna watch the yeah, hell. right, like like to en- to enjoy the show as a show like that. For yeah. me, where I feel like like what you were saying about like having to 
having to do the sort of the difficult reckoning with yourself of like the space between the show as it is, like the show that Jason wants to create and the show that I sort of like, like hold on to in my heart and have that kind of emotional investment in. Like for me, the thing that has changed since then, and I'm still kind of like, I'm still, we're still, I think, you know, waiting, like there's not enough information, but like I like, like one of the most important characters to me in the whole show, like on an emotional level, is Kane. And um and I know that like, you know, like actors get other jobs. Um act- many actors on this show do two jobs at once, you know, like like um uh uh Tati, you know, is on multiple different shows. People have like you know, like like people have gone away and done movies. Like so they're like like the fact that Ian has another job does not in any way necessarily mean like we have no way of knowing what's going to happen, you know, to, to Kane. And, um, but, you know, but, the, but the, you know, the sort of the signs indicating that like, like that there is a possibility that, um, you know, like if Ian's job on the new show becomes something that's permanent and Kane gets, it gets bumped off. Um, I, I have a lot of, really really strong like i i I have i've already sort of been having kind of a very strong emotional reaction to the notion of that happening as it appears like like if it happens the way that it is being laid out that it happens that he kind of just like wakes up and says goodbye to abby and dies of his wounds you know like like with no like with no um like like in in a way that that is brutal to Abby because it was Vincent that killed him in a way that will never let her escape feeling like in some way it's her fault. Like, even though like it isn't her fault, but she will always feel like it's her fault the same way she did with Jake, which just feels like a staggeringly cruel thing to do to a woman who's already been through that exact thing. You know, it, it means, it means no closure with Octavia ever. You know, it means he never gets to see the ground, you know, like it, and it also means that like this relationship, like, and this is where I think like, like the, like the way I feel about Cabby and like the way you feel about Bullock, it's like, like I, like that relationship and who they are and what they represent to each other and to the show for me, like, it's so important to me because, like, all the way through from the beginning, it's been so shaped around the notion of hope, of, like, these are the two characters. They bring hope to each other. They bring hope to the other storylines. You know, like, like they say it. Like, it's in their dialogue. Kane names the baby hope. Like, it's so... So I just feel like, like, this is a part where I feel like I need to kind of know what's the shape of that story in season six, to know how I feel about it because like there's, you know, like there's like, there's totally still a possibility that it's like, you know, like Kane is still alive and he's just sort of like always in the other room and he'll come back in season seven, <laughs> you know, when Ian is like back on, like, like there's still like, I haven't given up hope yet. And honestly, it's like, I'm like, we're like, like if it's good news, I'd like to know now if it's bad news, I don't want to think about it until April. Like I don't, I don't want someone to be like, I know he's dead until like, I just want to like, like, I don't, I'm already having too many like anxiety spirals, but like, but I feel like, like I like it is he's really important to me and that relationship is really important to me. And I feel like one of the things that I that I see in how the season ended and in the sort of like, you know, like diminishing returns of like, you know, so little like like sort of like dwindling chances of like there being sort of a substantive 
role for him on this new planet in this new season you know you know he's alive you know like he was like barely in like i he was not to anyone's knowledge really in vancouver he sort of like leaked in one interview like he flew back and forth a couple of times but like not you know like he's not in any behind the scenes photos he hasn't done any press for it so like if he's still in it it's going to be something small which Mm -hmm. means like you were saying about clark and melanie no real resolution like Mm -hmm, like it mm -hmm. feels the, the chances to me feel really 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 slim that the kind of um, really substantive relationship, kind of digging in and exploring it stuff between, and not even not even just between him and Abby, but between like him and Bellamy of like what kind of leader Bellamy has become, and like him and Octavia working their shit out. Like, is he like is he ever going to get a chance to grieve for Harper? Probably not. You know, <laughs> um, like all of those kinds of things. You know, like him, like his relationship with Dioza, with Dioza's child, like. Like, there's, there's so many things where I'm kind of having to sort of be like, okay, like, it's totally possible that those things are of deep emotional importance to me and, and not at all on the same level of emotional importance to Jason Rothenberg, to the writers, and even maybe to Ian. And that's okay. That doesn't make anyone a bad person, you know, like, like it's, you know, like, like it didn't, you know, like, it didn't make Alicia a bad person when she took a gig that was, like, a significant promotion for her and left a show where she was a guest star to be a series regular. Like, it, the way it was handled, you know, was, continues to be, you know, messy and problematic and opened up some important conversations. And a lot of people were really heartbroken by it and, and chose to stop watching. And that's valid. I mean, I think part of why, part of why we wanted to have this conversation as sort of nakedly as we're having it is like, I think, I think that there is, there is a way that we talk about, um, the kind of emotional aspects of fandom that can become very unpleasantly and off-puttingly gendered in sort of minimizing like like that it is that it is better and superior to be an intellectual fan than an emotional fan mm-hmm. like that it is that you are or you indeed, are better at watching television yeah that those two things are even separable right right exactly like that that you are that you are better at watching television if you are like um you know like like doing like 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 that the half of our podcast that has value is where we're sort of analyzing like, you know, allegories from the Bible and Homer, (laughs) you know, Um, and, and that that is what being quote unquote, like a good fan, a serious fan, a thoughtful fan, a quote unquote real fan is, is the sort of the deep thinking part of it. And, um, and I think that I don't, I don't think that it is intentional, but I think that sometimes like shows with like, straight male showrunners who don't come from fandom that have like lots of male writers um you know in like networks run by men like there can be this sort of sense of like disparagement towards um the emotional connection with a character with a ship um and it's like it's never like it's like like it's never intentionally misogynist like that's totally not what i'm saying but there is this sort of um you know when we talk about things like love and romance or shipping or, um, or, or romantic relationships, or whatever, as being in some way like, um, 
well, that's like a lesser part of this story or like we're not as interested in that part of it. And we kind of look down a little bit on the fans who are here just for that reason. Like we really like we really want you to be talking about, you know, kingship, <laughs> you know, um, and work and and. And for us, for us as like, as women and as fans and as just like people, like, like we like, you know, like, like you guys know us by now, like we will absolutely spend three hours debating the nuances of the Exodus charter, you know, and going through and being like, where are all of the Iliad Trojan horses in this episode about Trojan horses? Like we operate on that level. That's why we started this podcast is we love talking about that shit. And also um, we have deep, deep emotional investments in the ships that we love and the characters that we love and those things coexist and one isn't intellectually or you know fanishly superior to the other and the idea that like the idea that like you're you're somehow like there's something wrong or bad about leaving a show if an emotional relationship ceases to be emotionally satisfying, that that's like, like, I think that we treat that like it's not a real reason to walk away from something, you know? And, um, you know, and I think, and then we, like, we, you know, we, we started our podcast, like, like after, like, like 309, I think was our first one. So like the sort of initial hit of the kind of Lexa fallout, we didn't really like, we weren't around for that. We didn't, you know, get into it as much. But one thing that we've always sort of talked about a lot is it's like, like there's a difference between like, you know, like, like you said, like, this show's bad. It sucks. It's terrible. You're a bad person if you like it. You know, like, 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 I'm a bad gay for continuing to watch it after that, which is one I've heard before. You know, like, I'm a failure as a lesbian because I kept watching the show after Lexa died. Like, I've heard that before. Um, you know, or, or like attacking the actors, attacking the show. Like, like there's, you know, there's sort of a destructive element of it that has never been something that we endorse. And also that, that people who left the show after that because they were, because Lexa was the character who meant the most to them. And they were like, this show is just not the show that I want it to be without this character. That was always valid. That's like, that's like so valid, you know, like, like whether it's because that ship was your ship or whether it's because that character was your character or, or whatever the reason was, like if what happened in that episode meant that the show as a whole ceased to bring you joy and you Marie Kondo'd it out of your life, then you did the right thing for yourself, you know? And, um, and so, and there's a difference between people who left for that reason and people who were like, I want, so, so I want this show to be torched to the ground and I want everyone to get fired from their job or whatever. Like, that's totally different, you know? But so I think, like, I think for me with Cabby, you know, for you with Bullark, it's like, 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 it's totally possible that, you know, that the show could throw some curveball, you know, like at this season or next season or at some point in the future. And we could come back and be like, oh, okay, cool. This is like, like, I, I see that we want the same things now, you know, like that's neat. Um, like I, I guess, well, I don't want to speak for you. Like for me, it's like, I don't feel like I haven't really decided anything yet. Um, you know, in terms of watching, like we, you know, the, the decision about the podcast, obviously we made together, but like in terms of like how I want to engage with the show going forward, you know, I feel like, and I don't feel like this is something that I, um, that I any longer feel like I necessarily need to like apologize for. Like, I don't know. 
I don't know that like the sort of the fun and excitement of like new planet Cadigan backstory, what's happening? Like like that that sort of element of season six, which I'm excited about. Like I don't see myself able to enjoy that on that level if that comes side by side with like and the character that means the most to you is not only like not on the show, but like you have to go through the process of like you know, his death and him being mourned by other characters in a way that's going to be, like, painful and hard to watch, you know? So I, for me, it's, like, like, what I'm waiting on is, like, you know, I don't, like, I don't, I don't know if I want to watch the premiere live or if I wanted to sort of, like, wait and find out, you know, um, after the fact. But, like, I, that's a piece of information. Like, what happens to Kane? And, and if he makes it, how do they handle, like, the, the dark, just the heartbreakingly dark place that Kane and Abby were left individually and with each other at the end of the season where, like, again, like, there was, like, like, there was that moment of lift, you know, there was that, like, Abby being like, I'm saving the man that I love, and Octavia being like, all right, I'm in this, I'll help you, like, that sort of tiny, tiny movement towards something that felt like, Okay, so if Kane makes it, we've sort of gestured towards like recentering these relationships, you know, and and all that is predicated on a lot of things that the writers can control, you know, like like the show that he's on, like he took a part, like so the passage, like he took that gig as like a one-off guest star, and they were like, oh, we really like you, and we we're like like this character, and we're fleshing out the slice of the story that you're in, so like do you want to stick around? And he was like, okay, sure. Um, And then, you know, and there was things like, like I had heard that like, is, you know, production getting pushed back. Like they started really late. They only have like one episode. So like there was things where it's like, I genuinely believe it's totally possible that, um, that this might have to be a place where potentially they had to change horses midstream, you know, where maybe they wrote a finale with the idea of, um, creating space for rebuilding the relationship between Kane and Octavia, for example, um, something that's really important to me and, and that maybe we were leading into that and that is going to happen or that was going to happen. And maybe it's not now because it's something that they can't control, which is people get jobs, you know? So, so I don't, so without, you know, without either condemning or judging any of the people for whom it's like, I mean, the things in some ways it's like, it's an instructive reminder that it's like, this is their job, you know? And, and for for us, it's like like we we build these emotional connections with these characters that exist separately from the work these people do when they go to their job every day. You know, like that's like that's sort of what being a fan means. And so, like on some level, there's always going to be like like there's a version of the character of Marcus Kane, like that is, that is mine. That is, that belongs to me in a way that it doesn't belong to Ian or to Jason or to the writer's room or whatever. That is like, like the emotional relationship that like you have with a character that like means that much to you on that level, like is a thing that people can't take away from you. And also sometimes isn't the version of the character that you get to keep, you know, and whether it's because people die, whether it's because you know, the writers make some wildly out of canon, you know, out of character sort of change. And you're like, oh, now this person you thought was good is a villain surprise. Like, like we've all had shows where it happened where you're like, like, oh, I was really watching for this character. And then like, I hated what they did with, you know, the love interest in season five or whatever, you know? So I guess, so I feel like part of like, 
it's sort of a long-winded way of saying like I think that um I think that the base of like who is the fandom for this show, who is watching the show into season 6 and beyond. Um I think we're at a moment now where a lot of that's changing. Like I like for sure bringing in new people, you know, like every time they post a new season on Netflix, like they bring in like new fans. So like, it isn't that it's like necessarily like inherently dwindling, but it's changing. Um, and I think that for you and for me, like the fandom groups that we exist in, like these are two sort of big questions that like, you know, like things that our friends are talking about, things that are making our friends and the people that we sort of are like close with in our sort of fandom relationships um, feel like, okay, so like, what's my level of investment in this show as an audience member? You know, like, like if Kane dies or if Kane lives, would I like fuck up Cabbie in some way? You know, like if, if the, you know, or like if, if we're going to, you know, introduce a new love interest for Clark and, and all of the stuff in season five that like, like even, even people that I'm friends with who who aren't Balark shippers were like messaging me and being like, okay, so this is this is happening, right? Like yeah, this is canon, yeah, this is yeah. what this means, right? Like people who people who don't like it, didn't want it, we're not looking for it. We're just like, no, but like this is like Like it's so that's obvious. How you frame a shot yeah. when you're trying to communicate, you know. Like this is definitely um, so happening. Like, yeah. This is for sure happening. And if it isn't happening, then like, why did you, why would you, you know, so, so it is, so it's like, so it's not, it's not just in your head, you know, like it's not, um, but it's no, like, I mean, it's like, it was think, like, there's um, like a person that whom I never would have expected to hear this from, you know, even, yeah, sa- even, we, I even mul- said multiple conversations. Yeah. You, you yeah. know, even said like, sort of like, you know, watching the season, she thought if they aren't going canon Bullark, then this is just mean. And it's like, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. And, and, um, and it's, yeah. and for me, like, for, I guess for me, like, the one, the sort of difference there is that, and the reason why it's less about, like, it's not contingent on, like, what may or may not happen in season six, you know, um, is that that to me felt like, again, they sort of like a, uh, they, they, a betrayal of, of good faith. You know, like, it felt to me like they were operating in bad faith with regard to that for really the, really the first genuine time. Yeah. Um, what, and it's like, <laughs> and that's the part where I'm just like, oh, okay, I mean, okay. And also I'm never going to, tr- right. I'm just never going to trust you again. You know, like that, that's, that part is broken. Like you, yeah. <laughs> Well, and and I think it's like it's one of those things where it's like like it's either it's either one of two things. It's like either either it was sort of like you said, like it's a it was an intentional choice made to be like, all right, let's like keep the Balearic shippers on the hook. We're never going to go there, but we want to like feed them enough to make sure that like we don't like lose that sector of the fandom or which isn't even which isn't actually any better. It was like. They just sort of were like, okay, we're going to kind of change horses midstream. We were ahead of this direction. You know, like we changed our minds. We're not going to go there and, and not expecting and not then kind of going back and being like, okay, so now we got to re-edit the season headed towards this other direction. Like it, it, to me, it's like if it was just like we sort of switched gears and left all the old stuff in after we decided to go in a different direction, then I think one of the things that's that I think is I find a little troubling about that is it's like this that makes me feel like it's like so you so I still don't feel like you understand then 
a lot of the reasons why people were upset about mm-hmm. Lexa. Yeah, like I, exactly. I, yeah. The, it's, it's, the, it's the feeling of having been – like, it, it isn't that people are so entitled that it's like, make my ship canon or you're a bad person and I hate you. It's it's the the feeling of having been told something in some term, sometimes pretty directly and blatantly and then for the sake of sort of like – like either for like a dramatic reveal, like the Lexa thing, or just because they're like, oh, we actually midway through, we had a new idea for a new love interest for Clark or whatever, you know, um, whatever the reason is that like, that there is a, um, that there's still this kind of like, and this is what I was, where I was sort of feeling about like the, the sort of gendered nature of how we treat chipping, like that, that there's an expectation that if that upsets you, it's because you were watching the show. Exactly. Wrong. Yeah. And with this case, it's like, like I like wasn't that. watching it wrong. I was watching exactly what you put right. on the screen. But what you put right. on the screen. I was like, looking where you pointed yeah. me with the angle of that yeah. camera. And like, yeah. And then like you yeah. either deliberately misled me or you right. you like act like you have a plan and don't and just are like flailing around wildly, in which case like neither one is better and in neither case – is and in both cases it makes me feel like okay what that did is like sacrifice a tremendous amount of your credibility um and my trust in you in terms of like this is all going someplace we know what we're doing it's like okay well you either you do and you are deliberately baiting which is shitty or you don't and you're just like lying about that so you know um so like so, and, and I, I have a possibility. I don't know which one it is, you know, and, and I would honestly, I was, right, I, right. I, yeah, we have, we will never know the yeah, answer. And yeah. I, and I, I suspect it's the latter rather than the former. I, yeah, yeah I think, no, so I, too, I mean, I but- think, I think it's more likely to be that, but again, like it doesn't, it kind of just like, it doesn't like from my perspective, it doesn't matter. You know, like it is what it is. Like at the end of the day, whatever the reason is that right. that's what wound up on the screen, that's what wound up on the screen. Um, so, yeah, and like, and I think the point you're making about like it's a it's a it's a signpost towards like this is the story that we're choosing to tell. <laughs> exactly, it's like so it's like, like if, at so the like, end of the day, I mean, this is kind of where after after like weeks, even perhaps even months of of just like feeling really sort of like <laughs> just being in my feelings about it, you know, the thing that I kind of came to again was this sort of moment of like, you know, like. You can speculate till you're blue in the face. You can try to figure out. You can be angry, whatever. But like. Ultimately, what it does, what all these things do is just tell you, it just tells you, like, what do they value? What are they interested in? What do they think is worth spending time on? And what do they think is not worth spending time on? And if those things are, as they are for me, increasingly out of alignment with what I am interested in and what I find rewarding in the show, then, like, then the answer is like this just isn't my show anymore, and and that's really sad, you know. Like it, that was a hard that that was a hard realization to come to, and it like f- it really did feel like a breakup in a lot of ways, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, there was like a, an extended mourning period, and and you know, and and so that would like not to say that like I had that revelation that I was like everything was hunky dory, you know, like that was hard to kind of come to as well. But I think, um. The other thing that I, that I sort of realized, like in reflecting back on, on that and then sort of thinking about like sort of the growing frustrations that I had in the second half of season five, like the other thing I sort of realized, and this kind of goes back to what you were saying too, with your experience watching the finale, you know, and even 512 is sort of like in that more casual fan environment where you're like, you know, when I'm just watching this, like, and just kind of like watching it 
to enjoy watching it and not worrying about having to like, you know, analyze it for three hours. This is actually just like really fun. It was a kind of like the real, the realization for me that like, you know, and that this is sort of transitioned to a point where like, whatever, whatever else happens. And I don't know, I have, I don't know for sure whether I'm going to watch or not either, you know, um, season six, I mean, um, the truth is that this is that it is even before the finale. I think it, it was true that this was no longer a show that that analyzing, you know, week to week like we were doing and putting that much time in was mm, doing a podcast on it was actually like taking away from my enjoyment of it. You know, like it just like it got to a point where yes, like this yes. might be a show hmm. that at some point. I mean, I don't know. You know, fortunately for me, I think the sort of handy thing for me right now is I teach a graduate seminar on Tuesday nights. Um, and so I can't watch the premiere live or the second episode live. So like I can kind of like bracket the decision whether to watch <laughs> a little bit, you know, like just, I don't actually have to make that decision, which is kind of handy. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that my curiosity will overcome me and I will watch, you know, I will, I will at least start mm-hmm. watching and then sort of we'll see where it goes. But like the sort of like realization that it's like, like again, and I'm, and I don't want to make any value judgments on this for anyone who, who, still gets a lot of value out of like sort of like watching the show carefully and analytically and whatever. But like for me, like this is just like, if there, I might, this might be a show that I could just enjoy casually in the way that I like, I don't know, like I binge watched, you know, I zombie. And there were definitely moments watching that show where I was like, well, that's a giant plot hole. And I would think to myself, if I had to like podcast this week to week, I'd be so pissed off right now. But since I don't, I don't have to care. <laughs> and this is great. Right, you know, so right. it's sort of like a realization of like, yeah. This is no longer serving me and I think it's no longer serving the show. And so like the, and so the truth is, it's just kind of like, it's just time to move on, you know, like, and I think, you know, that's going to make me happy. And also just thinking about like, I don't want to, again, like I don't enjoy like ranting about things or tearing things down or talking about, I, I don't like talking about things that I am not enjoying, you know, like it isn't, I don't feel like it doesn't, it doesn't bring value to my life. I don't think, I don't feel like it's something that particularly brings value to, you know, like the, uh, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I shouldn't say that to other fans. And like, it's, but it's not the kind of fan that I want to be. It's not the kind of thing that I want to contribute. And so, so just kind of realizing like, okay, you could release yourself, you know, you don't have to do that. You can release yourself in that. And it doesn't have to be a matter of being like, I'm stopping because this show sucks now. It's just like, that's not what, you know, that's not what I mean. And that's not what I, that's not the choice that I made. It was just like for me, um, you know, personally, like this is, I reached a point where it's like me and this thing that was once really super important to me and really interesting to me, like we're, we're just diverging now, you know, and like it can't be that for me anymore. And, and it's just kind of like, like we need to have an amicable parting of the ways, um, you know, <laughs> and I wish you well. Yeah. <laughs> but like yeah. the time when we have this intimate relationship is over. <laughs> Well, and I know I think that's totally fair. Like I like it. What it one of the things that it sort of reminds me of was like so for for a while, um, rather was that there was a Shakespeare company in Portland that hired me to. They were trying to like like they would like want me to come in and like live tweet their shows. They like they had this whole sort of PR promotional thing of like having like a Twitter presence, and they would have people come in and like like watch the show, and you know you're sitting in the back so your phone doesn't bother anyone, and you're like live tweeting the show as it happens. Um, and I did it five or six times, and then finally I was like, I can't do this anymore because like I like. Like, I'm not watching and enjoying this show. All I'm doing is thinking about what I have to say about it. And so I can't, 
I can't watch it and be immersed in it and like have the kind of experience I want to have if I also have to like, like if I have to also be sort of simultaneously commenting upon it in the way you've asked me to do it. Like I can't, I want to be immersed and I, I can't, I want to watch it. I want to watch this in a particular way that this mechanism doesn't allow me to do, you know? And I think that, I think that for this show, like I think, um, you know, our ability to sort of like go along with the fun thrill ride, um, like, so, like some of that this year, I think was challenged by places where we were like, we were so sure that we were like, okay, we figured this out. We've got our like conspiracy board map with like, this leads to this, this gonna, you know, and then we were so wrong. It was like embarrassing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because it was like, oh, no, that just like, there wasn't any, like the worms just went away or like, no, Kane just did exactly what it looked like, even though it was really dumb. He just went over and <laughs> turned everyone over to McCurry. Okay. You know, so like, so, so part of it's like, okay, so like, but I know a ton of people, you know, either who are like new to the fandom or, or who aren't even really in the fandom who just like, like binge watched the whole thing when season five went online. Um, and on like a Netflix and they like loved it, like top to bottom. They were like, this show was like so much fun, like, like great ass kicking women, you know, chicks with swords, things blowing up. I'm having a great fucking time. And I, and part of me was like, like, I'm so envious <laughs> of like <laughs> that experience. And I'm just like, yes, like I want to like, I want to be able to enjoy this show like that, you know? And I, and I think that like, and I think that if Kane makes it, you know, like there's every possibility that I could totally enjoy this show like that. But, but, but like you said, like, like watching these things, knowing like, like watching that, like just harrowingly grim, you know, like uh, cannibalism storyline, you know, and this sort of like, you know, like everything just hitting the darkest, what, like, like knowing that we were going to have to spend three hours kind of like parsing that and pulling it apart and unpacking it and like, and dwelling in that darkness was like a lot, you know? So I think like, like it is just like, you know, like, like, and we are both people with depression and we're both people with like complicated lives. And I think, I think being able to say like, how much of my life and my time for, you know, for an, an unpaid <laughs> thing I do for fun and pleasure. What's the extent to which I'm willing to, um, sort of voluntarily dwell inside kind of unremitting darkness and then, and then be screamed at for it on Twitter? Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, like exactly. what's the, like, yeah. Like, what's the, what's the extent that I want to make this a priority in my life? And I think, I mean, and we haven't and we don't need to because we're running out of time and it's sort of mood anyway. But like the sort of also sort of question of like having a podcast the way we do it and having the level of weekly presence we've had necessitates a level of engagement in the fandom that we both this year decided we were like, we, that we cannot do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that is like, like untenable. Like we like, we can't. Like our our mental health will not support us like having to spend that much time needing to be immersed in the sort of the fandom dialogue about the things that are happening on Tumblr, on Twitter or whatever. Um that is sort of part of having a podcast of the kind of podcast that we have is that the conversations don't just happen between me and you. They happen in the sort of broader context, you know, and um and so so just sort of feeling like to to restore this TV show as a TV show into sort of its proper proportion in our lives, it it started to feel necessary, I think, to both of us um, to like, like, our relationship with the show had to sort of be like, like, 
shrunk back down to a healthy proportion of our lives, both in terms of time, in terms of emotional investment, in terms of like how engaged you want to be in the fandom, like, like they're like thing. I think things have sort of inflated out of balance to a point where it was sort of like, it's just not like, this isn't good for us, you know? Um, and, and I think that like, I think that being able to sort of like, like return it to sort of proper perspective of like, this is a show and maybe it could be a show that I could super enjoy. Maybe it's a show that I don't enjoy so much and then I want to walk away. And that's totally, that's also fine. You know, I think that like, like I think that our capacity to be able to do that um, was really diminished by the fact that we, ha- that we knew we were like committing to spending this amount of time sort of digging into that. Yeah, you know? no, I completely, um, so absolutely. That, that was I, like a huge, huge part of it. Yeah. It was just like, this is just too, like, it's just, it is, it is inflated in proportion to the rest of my life to a degree where I'm kind of like, I like, like, I don't, you know, and we both sort of started pulling back a little bit from the fandom this year for a lot of different reasons. Um, and I'm just like, it's like, I'm like, I'm much happier. Like I deactivated my fandom Twitter, like maybe short term, maybe long term, I don't know. But like, like, I think being able to sort of feel like. I know that somewhere off in the world there is crazy spewing and there's probably crazy spewing somewhere that's like about us and I don't have to care and it's kind of wonderful. Um, so I, I think that also probably part of it too is that, you know, like I think, so I guess just sort of like to bring this to sort of its conclusion, um, in our, in our sort of like, you know, Hamilton, George Washington, teach him how to say goodbye, <laughs> you know, moment. Like I, I think, um, I think it is, there can be this sense that like, um, once you're in something that you're like not allowed to walk away from it, or you have to apologize for walking away from it, or you have to have a particular kind of reason for walking away from it. And it can just sort of be like, this doesn't feel great. So I'm going to just not. And whatever the reason for that is, okay. So if you were like a person who like loved the show and then you, and you were a huge Klexa shipper, Alexa died and you were like, I'm done. Totally valid. If you were a person who like loved the show and you were a huge Balearic shipper and you really felt like this season you were like invited to get your hopes up and then it was like, haha, just kidding. Totally valid. If you were a cabbie shipper who's like, I'm literally waiting to see if Kane's alive or not to decide if I can still watch the show. All those things are totally mm-hmm. valid. Yeah. Or, or any other reason that is any a reason for you. Reason, or yeah. you're like, or like, I like, love Monty like, and the fact that Monty's gone, like, I just don't know, you know, right, like, I think I need right, to. Right. Like, our, like, yeah. Yeah, our friend Brandon who loves Harper and he's like, I'm out. Yeah, right. Totally valid. Absolutely. You know, like, yeah. or, or I like this show. I want to watch this show, but I can't be part of this fandom. So I'm going to just sort of like binge it when it's all on Netflix. Like all of those, like, like however you feel about it is fine. Um, and I just feel like I think for the people who make the show, I think, I think there is still a learning process and a kind of a, a, a journey of understanding that the people who come to this show that you make and engage in it do so in a lot of different ways for a lot of different reasons from a lot of different angles and and all of them are equally valid and okay and it there isn't any one way to like a show there's no one way to watch television you know and so if we have an opinion and Jason has a different opinion we don't have to like duke it out in the arena. It can just be like we're watching the show differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Cause we're different and, people. And, and all those things are fine. Yeah, yeah. We're different people who bring different experiences to it and, and we graft on to different things. Um, and, and that all of that is fine. And also so is 
loving the show and loving every character and being super psyched about season six and like still, you know, like making art and writing fan fiction and being super invested and like all the theorizing, like, like there's no way to watch or not watch a show that is invalid as long as it's like, this is the way this brings me joy. Yeah, so like exactly. if you need to be like, like I'm in a private group chat of people who are only super hyped about this show because I want to be in my positive bubble, do that. You know, yeah. and if you're like, I need to cut this off and deactivate my Twitter and and go only watch BBC Murder Mysteries. That's also fine. Yes, you know, yes. and and so like all we're sort of saying are like, here are the choices that we've made for where we're at for now. Um, here are the kind of lines that we've drawn for our own like mental health. Um, here are things that we like like and don't like here are things that we are sort of waiting on more information about here are some sort of things that have made us feel a particular way um and that's just like because you're aaron and i'm claire and we are who we are and we watch the show that we watch the show and none of that like i i don't want any of this to sort of be like taken you know like even my people who maybe like share our opinions as being like ha like either like claire and aaron said it and i agree with them so this they must be decreeing that it's law or like claire and aaron said this and i hate them so it must be false it's sort of like we're literally just telling you how we as two individual human women feel right exactly now. yes that's, that's all, all this is, this is you know. just sort of like the emotional journey we've gone on to arrive at this point yeah um and also yeah. i just want to say like before as we as we wrap up and because I do have to go. Um, <laughs> but uh, the other thing that I that I did definitely want to say, just, you know, just because I feel like it's really important is like this also this decision and us reaching this point, you know, and realizing like this is the time when we need to kind of, you know, like the that we need to to kind of stop doing the podcast the way we've been doing it. Like we still want to do some interviews and like. We reserve the right, like if mid season we have things we want to talk about to come back and do an episode if if that should happen, but not really like obligate ourselves, like you know. So, we're, um, that doesn't diminish or erase like all the wonderful things that we have that have been brought into our lives through this show and through this podcast, like tons of amazing yeah. friends, like wonderful friends and wonderful experiences, and also just like. And and especially like I just want to say you know a sincere and heartfelt thank you to ev- all of our listeners like everyone who's been listening to us. Um, I mean like in our wildest dreams when we started this podcast we never thought it would be what it is today. Like I literally like we posted the first one and I was like I'll be so thrilled if we get fifty listens. You know like I had no idea. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, let alone like being able to. Uh, you know, like talk to the writers and the, and the showrunner and, and sort of have a kind of relationship with them through it. And, and like, apparently so like, like building genuine friends. Yeah, with the cast. Right, exactly. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and, and so like, like never in a million years would we have ever imagined that this was even possible. And it's, um, and it's, it's been like genuinely wonderful. And then all of the people, like everyone who's ever sort of reached out on any, platform you know to say that um that what we've done was valuable to you or it meant something to you or what i mean like every single one of those messages messages were so precious and so deeply appreciated you know it's like it means so much to me to have 
done something, you know, that, that meant so much to a lot of people and really brought like joy and value to their lives. And that's incredibly wonderful. And I'm so grateful to have had that opportunity. And, um, I'm like that part, I'm still just like, my, my heart is filled with love for having been able to do that and like make those connections. And, and that's like wonderful. And we love you all. And, and I like the, the hardest part about deciding to not do the podcast anymore is like just the idea of disappointing the people who, you know, say like, I love your podcast. I'm so excited for it. And I'm just like, ah, the stab like, of oh guilt. God. Yeah. <laughs> like it was really, I know, like, I, really, I know. I, like we're letting you yeah, down. Yeah. No, like I, I genuinely, like there's a part of me that's just like, just keep going, Aaron. Cause like, you know, you know, people want you to. And, and like the truth is like it again, like I, I really, you know, I think it's just like best for both of us. For all these reasons, you know, just like, and really ultimately, because it comes down to like, what, what is going to make us happiest and make our lives, allow us to live our lives in the ways that are the, the, like, most conducive to our health and happiness and, and our values and so forth. And that right now really means kind of like stepping back from the podcast. But it is not because we don't love you because we love all of you so much. And we are so grateful to you and we will miss you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I, everything, oh my God, everything you said, like I, like we've, we've, we've been so lucky to build this sort of amazing little community, like around this podcast of, of people who like want to have the kind of conversations that we want to have, you know, and, and that, and like whatever happens, like that will always have been an incredibly meaningful experience and, and the, like, and the relationship that we've built with, like, with everyone who, you know, like, like, we, like, we share so much of ourselves with you yeah, on this podcast, yeah. too. Like, that's, you know, like, like, we, like, like, when we talk about, like, and this is something that, like, I said at Unity Days, and I said it before, like, when we're talking about television, we're never just talking about television. We're also all bringing our lives to it. And so, like, when we talk about, like, you know, like, when we talk about depression and suicide with Jasper Storyline, when we talk about, like, you know... Like our own struggles with mental health and our own struggles with death and loss and, you know, and the ways that this show, you know, has sort of like invited us to look at those in a different way. Like, you know, like there's a, there's a sort of emotional bonding that happens between podcaster and listener Mm -hmm. because like we're like, we're being like very real with you, you know, and, and so that has led to like, like both just like, like amazing friendships that have become like real life friendships, but also like, um, like this sort of this really beautiful sense of feeling like I feel very deeply seen and known yeah. by this community yeah. of people in a way that is like kind of extraordinary and um and and that like apart from any of the other you know like 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 more so than like the awesomeness factor of being able to be like we're hanging out on stage with a cast and we get to like have do shots with Richard Harmon and see the trailer before anyone else and like whatever like all that stuff that we were like did not expect or plan for but like that like the thing that we'll take away is like like I feel like um like I'm so grateful to have felt um seen and heard the way this podcast gave me an opportunity to feel seen yeah no I I completely agree like that is by far the most valuable thing that that I'll take away from this experience for sure. And um and with that and with that we say our final goodbye. <laughs> uh, may we meet again. May we meet again. <laughs> All right.
This is Claire and Aaron signing, signing out. out. <laughs> Bye. Bye.